genre. It's Franchiseography, the podcast that digs deep into the entire filmographies of Hollywood's biggest film franchises. I'm Scott Corelli. I'm Nick Jimenez. Today, we are continuing our miniseries on the Jurassic Park franchise with the record-breaking blockbuster legacy sequel 2015's Jurassic World. And we have a guest joining us to talk about a fully operational dinosaur theme park, anti-capitalist metatextual allegory, and Bryce Dallas Howard doing everything Chris Pratt can do except backwards and in heels, his returning guest and Margaritaville aficionado, Brian Green. Uh, you know, I'm just on island time right now, so if it's going to be a real <laughs> chill podcast today. Nice. We got, you, we got you at a perfect time. School year's uh-huh. over. Oh, the best. <laughs> <laughs> you guys can't see it but he is uh a, a double fisting margaritas right now so it's, it's true you know i <laughs> run away from dinosaurs but got you need the margs man um <laughs> might be the last marg you ever drink true you never know if if i may gentlemen if i may skip to the end uh the only thing that would that could make me love this movie more is if at the very end when everyone's like, you know, in the center on the cots, like, you know, rapping, you know, dealing with their injuries. If you just saw uh, Jimmy Buffett still holding his two margaritas. <laughs> <laughs> He's savoring them. <laughs> <laughs> it was worth it. <laughs> uh, that's good. Um all right. Well, uh, so 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 Jurassic World, um, mm-hmm. a cr- controversial film, despite how immensely financially successful it was. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought about this. I think it is a controversial movie for people who are on the internet. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's a good way of putting it. Yes. Yeah. Um. I also think it is interesting to me. I mean, like, I, I think we're gonna, <laughs> I think we're gonna be talking about Star Wars a lot um, during this half of uh, of this uh, mini series, right. just because it comes up a lot. Like, it's the same year. Like, th- this is the number one opening weekend earner ever of all time for six months until Force Awakens comes out and kicks its ass. So, like. You know, and then like you've got Colin Trevorrow moving on to Star Wars after this, getting fired from Star Wars. It, it's a whole. There's a lot of Star Wars, and I think that they're both legacy sequels in a lot of ways. Um, mm-hmm. And so it's just there's a lot a real uh, a real duel of the fates, if you will. Yes, <laughs> there's a lot of stuff to talk about with that, and especially with the reactions by fans in different ways, um, which I find really interesting. 
because they feel contradictory to me. But I, I don't know. It's good. I think there's a lot to dig into with these movies um, that I'm really, really excited to like really, really take the time and dig deep into. But this film, Jurassic World, opened in June of 2015. Uh, For context for everyone, this is the same year as Age of Ultron in May. Mm -hmm. Um, Then you had this. And then, as I stated, six months later, you had The Force Awakens, The Return of Star Wars. Um, very, very, very big year for blockbusters. Um, Fury Road. It really was. Wow. Yeah. What, what'd you say? Fury Road. Yes. Fury Road also came out this year, um, which was sort of like the internet's, uh, blockbuster darling of 2015. Mm -hmm. Um, Inside Out. Inside Out. Was there, uh, was, was, was BVS this year or was that next year? The next year? Uh, 2016. That was 2016. Okay. 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 Your favorite um, movie, Tomorrowland, Scott, came out in 2015. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Um, that that this was that was the thing. 2015 was a weird year for me personally because <laughs> I saw this and was like, "That fucking rocked! What a great legacy sequel! Holy shit!" And everyone looked like I had bugs crawling out of my face because uh-huh. they were like, "What are you talking about? This movie was a piece of shit." Um, <laughs> you're you're that's the worst opinion I've ever heard anyone have until. Tomorrowland opened and I was like that was a masterpiece right everybody they're like no that was a piece of shit and it's boring and actually you're a bad person for liking it and I was like well fuck me I guess 2015 (laughs) Scott was just like the opposite of what just felt like he was living in an opposite bill um so I had uh I had a weird time in 2015 um 2015 also the year of movie pass I believe um because I saw a lot of movies that year. I think I think Movie Pass was at a at a height in 2015. At um, that point, I'd been a, a member for like three years, and then yeah. y'all, uh, everyone came in for ten dollars a month and yeah. ruined it for me. Like yeah, I was yeah. I was doing just fine, paying twenty dollars a month, and then ever then they lowered the price and it just yep. exploded. Yep, and then I died. joined <laughs> I joined like 2017, 2018. So I was like. I was like those characters in the last battle, like right before Narnia gets wiped out. You know? Yeah. <laughs> like, no memory of Aslan just like wallowing in the filth. I just like, I like the idea of Nick just being like, I don't know. I just, I, that something about this doesn't seem right. I'll just keep buying movie tickets. It's fine. I like being in control. <laughs> that just feels like the most Nick thing ever. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm just, just like, doing. no, no, no. <laughs> That I, sounds, I see him over there. there. There's three steps in that, but me buying a movie tech is, is one step. So I'm just going to stick with the one step thing instead of the three step right. thing. Uh huh. Yeah. No. <laughs> definitely. That's that's the most Nick thing I've ever heard. Um, that is very on brand. Sure. Um, yeah. So so 2015, uh, weird time. But I do want to. I want to before we talk about Jurassic World, Brian. I want to get your history with Jurassic Park, um, oh. with this franchise. Do you remember? seeing the movie for the first time or were you too young did you just see it on dvd and you remember that very first time or or well well, so here's the thing scott you just posed a couple of different questions you said do you remember seeing it for the first time or were you too young the 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 answer is yes to both of those because yes i was too young uh (laughs) but i saw it in theaters and loved the shit out of it like it's like i what year was that 93 93 yeah so i would have been five at this okay. point and uh so i would have been five almost six that summer and i saw that movie and 
dinosaurs became my thing mm-hmm. like because of that movie and i just i wanted all the toys i wanted all like i, I wanted everything i had one of the had the uh the t-rex that had like the battle damage that came out of its chest do you remember oh, y'all yeah. remember that like oh, if i yeah. like close my eyes i could smell it i can smell the rubber <laughs> of that little like the little battle damage piece of like for those of you who don't know there's uh it's a t-rex and it has a little chunk that you can take out of it and it exposes like their the inside guts and like bones on the inside and you know of course that thing got lost like a little chunk that popped out got lost the second you know you you owned uh, you took it out of the package uh but yeah like i could smell that if i just like think about it enough because it's it's a core memory yeah. uh i love uh you know that there's something about this movie it, that it speaking of it inside ta- out <laughs> right uh it it just taps into something tapped into something for me as a young child like because it had this young boy character that is like off on an adventure he has an older sister i had an older sister and you know they have like the two of them have a very similar dynamic to my that my sister and i ha- had as well mm-hmm. um and there was just something so absolutely magical about that movie. And it was my favorite movie for years. I watched it constantly on uh, uh, on VHS. Cause I'm it, just imagining was... your version of Tim, but it's it's about he's like a nerd for musical theater and he's like following like <laughs> Soundheim around or something. <laughs> Chasing Soundheim from car to car. <laughs> so when you wrote Into the Woods, <laughs> or like Brian oh, Hansen, it's funny. Yeah. Oh God. But uh, yeah, I just I there was something that just like I was the perfect age for this movie. Like as a kid that liked, or I already loved animals. I already loved dinosaurs, but this movie just solidified that. Like that was going to be my thing for the next, you know, five six years. Uh, so I was just going to be obsessed with dinosaurs and be obsessed with this movie. It it was perfect. I I I I, I was also a kid that loved scary movies. I liked to be scared as a kid. Uh, you know, I, I have an infamous story that I think I've, I'm sure I've told on some some of y'all's podcasts about how I watched The Shining at an inappropriately young age and got my parents got called into the principal's office because I was just distra- <laughs> drawing disturbing pictures and really I was just drawing scenes from The Shining and my parents thought it was funny <laughs> like i thought my parents did not were, were not concerned about it at all um yeah you know it, it was just a very special movie for me i think we saw it we saw it multiple times in theaters because my parents loved it so much um and i i always loved the ride you know jurassic uh you know jurassic park the ride over at a uh, universal studios is it, it is one of the i i think it is it goes along with uh like indiana jones and like this is a shift for what theme parks can be. I felt mm-hmm. like those two rides uh, like show just okay. We've we've done these like cheesy little rides before, but what if we just what if, what if we just brought it up another level? And I think those were really a, a really big shift to what uh, start like and then starting to move into what we have today. Obviously, it's been twenty years, you know, twenty some odd years since then, but uh, like the. They those rides really just really were incredible and really did some amazing things. So those are those are the two big things for me. You know, I didn't like I liked Lost World, uh, and I didn't like Jurassic Park three when I was a kid. So like the but like the first one was always 
there for me. It's always go- uh, going to be a big part of my childhood. Yeah, yeah. Um, would and you, then would you both consider like the holy trinity of movie theme park rides to be Indiana Jones, Jurassic Park, and Back to the Future? No, I don't know that there is a holy trinity. Okay. Um, I because yeah. it would be hard for me to like make a holy trinity without like pirates of the caribbean or like haunted mansion okay. or something like that so like I oh but, know, it, but like i make it's like movie tie-in rides like uh, movie tie-in rides that rides. begat a movie yeah or or movies that begat rides um right yeah maybe i think jaws would need to be in there somewhere if we're if we're talking yeah if we're talking about movie adaptation rides i think jaws is kind of the uh, the perfect like that I, I think it's like the ideal Okay. At least what it was at Universal Florida. Yeah. Mm. Um. I don't know. Yeah. That's that feel. I feel like that's a larger conversation. I, yeah. I too many incredible rides based on movies to like mm. narrow it down to three. Yeah. Though you do start to realize how incestuous, uh, Universal was in terms of like the Spielberg connection in those early days because you had. Back to the Future, which was produced by Spielberg. You had Jaws, directed by Spielberg. E.T., directed by Spielberg. Jurassic Park, directed by Spielberg. Twister, which was written by Michael Crichton. Mm-hmm. <laughs> who also wrote a book and worked with Spielberg on ER and, and Jurassic Park. Mm-hmm. So, like, it's just it's just very incestuous in that way, which I find very interesting. Um, right. Yeah. And it's, I think it's kind of where uh, how you end up with what universal is today like for a long time i think universal started to lose its identity you know when it started to lose those rides mm-hmm. and it nowadays are sort of like well what do we have you know, like what movies like what movies can we make a ride out of and that i think that's one like they've they've been so successful at despicable me so that's why they're leaning into minions so much they leaned yeah. into shrek for so long too but those aren't yeah. even their movies those aren't even well, universal um right they're dreamworks which is now a subsidiary of universal dreamworks animation uh-huh yeah um but uh yeah but i will say you know the jurassic world re-theme which mm-hmm. brings us into 2015 now um and this movie but like the jurassic world re-theme specifically at hollywood because they haven't rethemed the florida version yet um, it's still Jurassic Park, but which is weird because they have the Velocicoaster, which takes place it, at Jurassic World, but then right next to it is the Jurassic Park. Ro- it's very there's like Warner Hagrid's you getting walk, chased by Velociraptors. It, yeah, you yeah, just, like, and then you, and then you do fly by Hogwarts at some point on the <laughs> Velocicoaster. <laughs> yeah, blow me. Yeah. Yeah, Hammonds wants to get some DNA from the hippogriff and have one of those. Oh, my God, yes. (laughs) Um, uh, That's the only uh, way to save the Harry Potter franchise at this point. But but the Jurassic (laughs) World re-theme at at Hollywood, you know, I've ridden it, and I think it is a superior ride to Jurassic Park um, for a multitude of reasons. Uh, Brian, I don't think you've ridden it yet, but you will when you come and visit for Super Nintendo Land. Hell Um, yeah, summer 2023. (laughs) But uh, but the but the it, it is lacking something, which is there is this sterile quality to Jurassic World as a theme park, whatever. And I'm sure that we're going to talk about this. Um, however, it's this weird thing of like 
the snake of un- of misunderstanding eating its own tail. Um, because you have like Jurassic World, like the whole point of Jurassic World, the whole point of this movie, which we'll go into as we are breaking down the movie and as I go into the development of it, is a condemnation of capitalism, of like capitalism gone too far and how like nobody cares about this stuff anymore and it's all very like sterile and capitalist and not fun and it's lacking the wonder of the original park and the original intention for Jurassic Park and in so doing is a metatextual look at like sequels and franchises and and etc cetera, etc cetera. and so making a ride retheming a ride for Jurassic World is then like missing the point of the movie because like the point of the movie is that Jurassic World isn't cool like Jurassic World is like (laughs) is like bland and sterile and like not fun but then they like retheme the ride to be that and so now it's like sterile and bland the ride itself I think is better but it's just like you're waiting in line for this stuff and it's just very like bland and sterile and feels like like an apple store. Yeah, it just feels like it's missing the point of what If the they movie had dinosaurs is. at Epcot, this is what it would be like. <laughs> yeah, kind of. And you know yeah. what's really interesting is like there there is a part where, you know, the the original park is stumbled upon, you know, the ruins of the original park and you get to see the greens and the yellows. Yeah. On on all the helmets and the gear and the Jeep. And it, you're, it has so much more of that warmth and color of the nineties. than like you like the very blue and gray aesthetic yeah. that Jurassic world, both the movie and the ride have. Right. Right. Absolutely. Which is funny because I remember even thinking while watching Jurassic park, thinking like there's a lot of concrete in this park. And, and, you know, I guess there has to be for like weather reasons, right? Like you don't want your mm-hmm. buildings falling apart every time there's a hurricane and you're going to have like 10 of those a year in Costa Rica. <laughs> um, yeah. But, but, uh, it, but it, it makes up for the concrete by like adding all these other colors to the mix that, that Nick is talking about. Whereas in, in, in Jurassic World, there are no other colors. It's really just concrete gray concrete and silver metal and just like blues blue steel color yeah that's it um and and that's you know from a creative standpoint i i think there's this this sort of um step removed for most people where they watch jurassic world um the people who don't like this movie right and they're like oh everything is so ugly and it's like yeah, I don't disagree with you, but also, yeah, that's the point. Like, I think the production design on this movie, the team does too incredible of a job. Yep. There yep. is, as there is a Starbucks and uh, a margarita, and it looks Jurassic World more than almost any other movie theme park I can I can think of. Yeah. Looks like a living, breathing place, but like looks in like a way that bump. It looks yeah. like City Walk. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> but but that. I that delights me and tickles me and I love it, but for, it bums a lot of people out in the right. same way that like in Ad Astra, there's a scene where Brad Pitt goes to the moon and it looks like like Burbank Airport. Right, right. Mm-hmm. It bums people out, but like they're it's like they're not understanding that it's supposed to. Like that's the point right. of the movie. It's supposed to bum you out. You're supposed to be like, oh man, I can't believe they sold out. That's literally why the the Jake Johnson character is in this movie is to yeah. be them. 
they he is them he is you yeah the person bitching about this and like how corporate it is and how there's like brands everywhere and how ugly it is and how special that first park was or that first movie is that he is supposed to be you but yeah they're just look, like willfully ignoring <laughs> that, I guess. That's, I don't know. That's exactly the word, Scott. You took the words right out of my mouth. There, I think what's so frustrating when I go online and see like reviews of this or takes on this is it seems like there is a willful, a willingness, like a like willing disengagement. Yes. Whereas like the same people who will bend over backwards to praise the Fast and the Furious sequels mm-hmm. can't sit down with this like pretty competently made summer blockbuster and get the work that Derek Connolly and Colin Trevorrow and Steven Spielberg are doing with like Verizon wireless presents the Indominus Rex. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but instead, but all they see is like, Oh, I can't believe they let Verizon wireless sponsor this movie. And it's like, God, guys. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I compared this movie to, Oh, please. Oh, I was just going to say like, that's the thing that like I watching this movie, I I had not watched any of the trailers going into it. Yeah. And so when they do that like that first like flyover of the city walk and I was like, "Oh, of course it's fucking city walk." And uh-huh. I just I was I just laughed so hard and you know my <laughs> wife at the time who had never been to a theme I, at that point I don't think she'd ever been to a theme park with me yet. And Whoa. uh so like I don't think like she quite like understood it from that perspective but like me i was just like i was thrilled like i was so excited to see fucking margarita bill there (laughs) and it was just the best it's such a good joke it is a perfect it's universal taking a look at themselves for one because Mm -hmm. they you know every every theme park joke you can look at and be like, oh, I see a bit of Universal Studios in there. You know, later on we'll talk about uh, what's his name on the ride. Uh, oh, for sure, yeah, Jimmy uh, Fallon. Jimmy, Jimmy Fallon, yes, yeah. <laughs> like Jimmy Fallon's literally on two rides at Universal Studios at least. <laughs> two I can think of. Yeah, I, I just feel like if that had happened, if James Gunn had directed this, it would have been like, oh, how clever! What a clever uh-huh. nod! How how perfect putting Jimmy Fallon in it. But it's like. The, a, I, like a refusal to acknowledge any kind of deafness or intelligence. And I and I all of that, I think, comes down to one thing that I think I think the tendrils out of that one thing ruin everything else for everyone where like they just won't see anything mm. else. And I think that one thing is Chris Pratt and and Chris Pratt's character. And but. What I found so interesting, and I'm just going to say this now because it's not it, it's, it's, it has very little to do with the overall development of this movie, mm-hmm. but Chris Pratt, let's talk about Chris Pratt at this period of time. <laughs> okay, let's just get, just get out of the way. Let's just get Pratt. it out of the way okay. because Chris Pratt, at this point, right, he is on Parks and Recreation where he is a schlubby, like, funny guy, right? Mm-hmm. And he comes off of Parks and Rec after being on Everwood and a season of The O.C., where he's a goofball, right? He's been a goofball for a long time. That's what has been getting him roles a lot, except in movies where he's the bully, the office bully in Wanted, right? Um, and he is uh, uh, he is in the baseball movie, Moneyball, um, mm. where he's a baseball oh, player, I which I think... that he was in that. I haven't yeah. seen that since theaters. Oh, my God. Which I think is... it's It's literally like... It's like Wanted... 
And then like a, like a year or two later, it's Moneyball. And then a year or two later, he finally gets Guardians of the Galaxy, right? But Guardians of the Galaxy makes him a lead. But that is a movie that no one in Hollywood, except for Marvel Studios, thought they everyone was agreed like, oh, this will be their first flop. Without a doubt. Talking raccoon, talking walking tree that only says I am Groot. They got guy the from guy Parks from the, the minor yeah. character from Parks and Rec as the lead of this movie. This is going to be an absolute failure. Um, and so <laughs> when he is cast in this movie, he is hearing all of that. And he is. He gets this movie. That movie is not out yet. Guardians is not out yet. He gets this right after he like starts shooting this immediately after finishing Guardians. Um, there's like I think there's like three months in between where he shoots a bunch of Parks and Rec scenes where he like has to grow this bushy beard to hide that he's like ripped (laughs) (laughs) Um, and pretend that he's still schlubby. But uh, he gets this movie and he talks about this where he's like, yeah, like I was really nervous. I'm really nervous about this movie because everybody thinks that I'm like a goofball, a cornball. And it's the thing that has made me so successful up to this point, like, you know, my character in Guardians is kind of a goofball, my character in Parks and Rec, the OC, et cetera, et cetera. And I've never had success in being a more serious actor. And I, and I want to be a serious actor, but I'm terrified that I'm going to like lean back into the things that have made me successful in the past. And so I made an effort on Jurassic World to go out of my way to not be that guy. And Mm -hmm. I think as a result of his fear of turning into, turning this role into like his regular Chris Pratt goofball energy, he overcompensated and made an insanely boring character. Um, A a character that is so two dimensional that there's just nothing there. Um, (laughs) Other than like posing and things like that. It reminds me a lot of like what happened with um, Tom Holland on Uncharted, where he says, like, I made a bunch of mistakes because I was just too aware of myself and was trying to be cool instead of good. And I Uh think that that's what happened with Chris Pratt on this movie. And unfortunately, with his military background, I think it just it shot him in the in the foot, you know, and I think he ended up making a character that is. So, so, such a sort of like vacuum of, of chemistry and, and, and charm that it, it turned a a very certain, a very particular type of person, people that are very internet heavy and like, you know, watch like movies for like character and all, all this stuff instead of like, just like, you know. Joe Schmo, nobody in, in the Midwest, because like a lot, I know a lot of people who love his character in this movie, especially women in the Midwest. They're like, oh my God, he is so hot in Jurassic World, because that's exactly the kind of guy that they're like attracted to are like these sort of like generic, semi like conservative, semi like militarized kind of like farmer guys, you know? <laughs> Like, you know what? I, I've never thought about this before, but if you just take Owen Grady, because in any given scene in this movie, Owen Grady is just like arms crossed, yep. the only voice of reason, yep. calling out the powers that be. And I'm like, oh yep. my God, he's basically every like law and order NCIS lead. Yeah. 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 
and and it's like yeah it's like not really the like mcu kind of um one thing i noticed about owen grady that i think kind of unbalances the equation i think the movie thinks owen is too cool like with the way the boys are like owen's great we love owen owen's a badass look there's it kind Uh of because like it reminded me because i I, to me this is he's modeled so much in like the han solo indiana jones mold but if you ask people in the worlds of those movies about han solo they're not going to say he's like the coolest dude in the galaxy they're going to say he's like a dumbass who owes me eight grand right 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 but i think it's a combination of like i think if chris pratt was doing letting himself be a little more charismatic and a little mm-hmm. more of a goofball and people were saying shit like that. I don't think anyone would have really bad an eye. It's the combination of him be playing the character as the most boring person who's ever walked the planet. Yeah. Cause he doesn't even have like Indiana Jones will have those moments where like, Oh, he'll trip or like, right. Oh, this door's locked. And now he has right. to do, and you see so much of his personality right. and how he reacts to shit going sideways. Right. And, Owen Grady doesn't really get moments like that. No. Right. No. And in, in the original Jurassic Park, like there those those leads are not like Action soldiers like ready to go into battle. Right. They are right. people who don't like who th- this is a new thing for them and they're making it up as they go. And right. that's what makes that ca- movie so good. Those characters are so interesting. And I read a ton of interviews um with Colin Trevorrow talking about this movie because he was very candid in a lot of his Mm-hmm. Um, interviews, which got him in trouble a lot because he would, you know, say things that pissed people off a lot. But um, one of the things that I, I was surprised by, but looking at the movie again after reading these interviews, I was like, oh, that does make a lot of sense, is mm-hmm. that Owen Grady was never meant to be the protagonist of this film. The protagonist of this film is Claire. She is the sure. character with a story arc, a beginning, mm-hmm. middle, and end. He doesn't change. He is the antagonist of the movie. He is her antagonist um, in terms of, like, he is the one, like, forcing her to change into a new character by the end of the movie, learn and grow, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But after the success of Guardians of the Galaxy, Universal was like, and obviously Chris Pratt is the lead. And Colin Trevorrow was like, no, he's not. Claire is the lead. They're like, yeah, but no one cares about her. Everyone likes Chris Pratt right now. Look at him. He's a living action figure. Right. He (laughs) is the lead of the movie. And so all of the marketing and all of the marketing was was heavily focused on Owen um, as the lead, which then painted everybody's vision, I think, going into the movie of like, this is the most boring lead of any movie ever. But he's not supposed to be the lead. He's supposed to be a, a supporting character for Claire, who is supposed to be the lead. And then they made him cut out half of Claire's scenes. So, like, you watch the deleted scenes of this movie, and there's a ton of Claire scenes that are that are doing two things. They're both reinforcing her character arc and also giving her, like, interesting stuff to do and building the chemistry between Claire and Owen, which in the final movie, they barely have any. It's no it's nowhere to be found. Yeah, there are there are three scenes in the deleted scenes that have more chemistry between the two these two guys than the rest of the movie combined and they're all deleted. They cut them all out, um, which is extremely frustrating. (laughs) Um, But yeah, she's supposed to be the lead of the movie, but universal because of guardians of the galaxy, universal 
pushed the movie into being the Owen Grady movie, which it was never intended to be. That was never the point of the movie. Um, and he's like, he's like, yeah, he was supposed to be the stand in for me in terms of like the meta textual story that I was telling. Um, right, Colin the one calling it out like, this. are you insane? This is crazy. We should yeah, be yeah. doing this. Yeah. yeah. Why are you doing this? This is going to happen with or without you. So get on board or, or, or we'll find somebody else. He's supposed to be Colin Trevorrow, and he was like, "I was never supposed to be the lead of this movie. Like, I didn't. Like, that's not. I didn't want that. That's not what I wanted. Um, and now I look like a narcissist. Um, like, like I'm the coolest guy ever, and like all. The, like, that's not. He's like, that was never the intention for this. Um, that's. I. I just wanted this to be sort of a subplot that was like part of the thematic resonance of the whole thing. But Claire was always supposed to be the main character because Claire was supposed to go from somebody who saw this stuff as numbers on a spreadsheet to falling in love with it again um, and realizing the, the, like getting awestruck by it again and falling back in love with this. And it was supposed to be about a very corporate person seeing movies as numbers on a spreadsheet, going to someone who fell in love with making movies again. Um, That was what the point of her arc is. But, because she's not the lead anymore and it's Owen, it just muddles everything. And I think that mm-hmm. as a result, the movie gets a very uh, uh, weird reception from a certain type of person. Mm-hmm. That's so unfortunate. Yeah. So should we go into the development of this thing? Please. Okay. Yes. I mean, what All are right. we doing here if we don't? <laughs> I, you're right. So <laughs> Jurassic Park 3 released in 2001 makes $369 million on a $93 million budget. Not horrible, not great, but good enough that they're like, okay, let's let's roll on and do a do a fourth one. So development begins in May of 2001 on Jurassic Park 4. Uh William Monahan is hired. This is the screenwriter of The Departed. Um William Monahan writes a draft of the script uh that is interesting um so it basically uh it takes place it takes place 12 years after the first movie um and to most people john hammond's dinosaurs have become this sort of like urban legend right where the public has become skeptical that they ever existed despite the fact that like at rex attacked san diego Um, (laughs) but uh uh there are so so the plot basically involves there is a a um okay so in mainland costa rica there is a previously unidentified like lizard like animal they keep sh- lizard like animals they keep showing up and conflicting with the locals i assume attacking and killing them whatever and so to find out what happens a team of experts which is um you know the 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 trinity back again oh um, wow yeah it was supposed to be the three of them uh uh you know grant um Grant, uh, Malcolm, and, and Sattler all return to go and like figure out what this is, um, and then they what they find out is that um, <laughs> there is a third island owned by a private person, private investor person, or whatever, and they are they have found the Barbasol can, and they have decided to basically create their own island of Doctor Moreau where they have combined humans with dinosaurs to make human-dinosaur hybrids, and those are the lizard creatures that are attacking mainland Costa Rica. 
<laughs> Needless to say, this idea didn't go past this draft. Um, but this was a draft that was written. You can find concept art of these things. They look like Koopas from the Super Mario Brothers movie. Oh, um, no. Yeah. Were there four it, of them? Did they each have like a primary color? Uh, no, that would come later, but, um, but there were, yeah, it was, uh, human dinosaur hybrids from the writer of The Departed. Um, (laughs) so, so anyway, um, so he leaves and then they bring in John Sales. Um, John Sales gets rid of the, uh, the trinity of, um, of Grant, Malcolm and Sattler, moves them out of the movie. Uh, and instead tells a story about a character named Nick Harris, who is sent by John Hammond. So basically, so I full full disclosure, I actually read this script. Um, mm-hmm. This is a script that exists that you can read. Um, and I like made sure that it was real because I there was like an Ada Cool News review for this um, where Moriarty reviews this take on the script and i like made sure that it was the same and all of the details are the same so this is this is the john sales version of this script so basically nick harris who is a um a uh, i mean he's kind of an owen grady type uh honestly um and he comes in he's hired by hammonds who has who has become the guinness book of world records holder for the most sued person to ever live um, and he brags about this in a scene where he's just like, "You, it's true. You can look it up. I've I've been sued more times than anyone else in history." Um, <laughs> Weird flex, he, but okay. <laughs> he has uh, he has been his his family has basically um, taken control of him. They did the uh, the the Britney Spears thing, um, whatever mm-hmm. that I forget what that's called. Um, conservatorship, like, Conser- yeah, conservatorship, exactly. So he's got that going on. So anyway, he brings in Nick Harris. I, I don't remember how he finds Nick Harris or or whatever, but Nick Harris comes in, meets with Hammonds, and Hammonds is like, okay, so basically the dinosaurs has, have evolved since the last we saw them. They are now breeding freely on an island. It is becoming overpopulated, and they're going to start migrating yeah. off of this island if we don't do something to stop it. I've talked to the government about the plan that I want to do, which is to create dinosaurs i want to i want to create dinosaurs that have um no breeding uh material um and put them on the island because it's basically it'll create like a jo- uh is it a jonas strain um that will like make it so that the 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 dinosaurs who can mate will mate with the dinosaurs who can't mate and so as a result they will go extinct they won't have babies and then they'll go extinct i guess this is like <laughs> A thing that that a lot of people, a lot, a lot of like conservationists do to like control populations and things like that in um, uh, animal populations. Um, so anyway, so this is the plan. But in order to do that, he needs dinosaur DNA. So he sends him back to uh, the original island to find the Barbasol can. Um, so he goes to the Barbasol. He goes there, finds the Barbasol can on page like 40. Um, and then this other group, um, the group that bought InGen, um, and now owns InGen, finds him, kidnaps him, takes him to a castle, 
where it, they you find out that they are making dinosaur hybrids of all kinds of dinosaur hybrids where they're like combining different versions of dinosaurs and they have they want him to train these dinosaurs that they have made that they're like they're like they've given them a little bit of human dna to make them smarter they've given them they've they're like a combination of like raptors and t-rexes and like the the herd dinosaurs that like run through the field so like it's just they're like basically super dinosaurs and he's and there's there's <laughs> there's like four of them and then this is where the names come in um so their names are let me see if i can find this um Achilles, Hector, Perseus, Orestes, and Spartacus. Um, cool. And uh, he trains them. And they. the plan is, like, we're going to use these dinosaurs to take care of, like, kidnapping situations and drug cartels mm. and all Hostage this stuff. negotiating. Yes. All this stuff that, like, we don't want humans to do. We're going to have these dinosaurs do. Um, obviously, because why wouldn't you? Um, and so then the third act of the movie is there's a drug cartel that like, I think kidnapped like a girl. Um, and so they send him in with the dinosaurs to like stop the drug cartel. And then like the dinosaurs, he can't control them anymore and they escape. And then it's like a setup for uh, Jurassic Park five where like the super smart dinosaurs are going to start breeding. And it's like, oh no, what is that going to lead to? <laughs> <laughs> so essentially we're we're leading to planet of the dinos as, as... that was i mean that seems to be what's happening yes um <laughs> which is interesting because after after this uh basically this script happens and steven spielberg is like you know what maybe we put this on ice for a little while uh good call buddy <laughs> and so in april 2005 jurassic park 4 shelved um, and then it isn't brought back out for another six years in 2011. Um, Mark, I'm going to do my best to pronounce this. Mark uh, Protosevich, um is uh, brought in to, to work on it and, and develop the film. Um, he does two treatments, but never writes a script. So he writes a treatment, gives that to Spielberg. Spielberg's like, no, try again. He writes a completely different second treatment. Spielberg is like, uh, maybe you're not the guy for this. So he's gone. Um, and then they bring in, fresh off of Rise of the Planet of the Apes, they bring in Rick Jaffa and Amanda Silver in 2013 to write Jurassic Park 4. Um, and this is the start of a very unfortunate battle over screen credits. Um, so Rick Jaffa and Amanda Silver are brought in to write this movie. Spielberg gives them three tentpole ideas that he absolutely wants in this version of the script. This is what he wants in Jurassic Park 4. He wants a fully operational theme park. He wants a dinosaur hybrid that escapes and is the main antagonist of the film. And he wants trained raptors. These are the three concepts that he brings to the table. And he says, these are what I want in this movie. So they're like, okay. So they write the movie, and while they're writing the movie, they bring in Trevorrow. Trevorrow comes in with his own co-writer, Derek Connolly, and he pitches the entire movie completely unaware that Rick Jaffa and Amanda Silver are working on the, on the movie as well. Um, so he comes in, he pitches the story with the same three tenements that Spielberg gave 
Jaffa and Silver. He also gave to Trevorrow and Connolly, and they pitched what would be the story in Jurassic World. Um, and Trevorrow talked about this, where he was like, it, it, the, the story for this came out of me being a massive Jurassic Park fan and me thinking, why would you make another sequel to Jurassic Park? It's perfect. Leave it alone. Like, that movie's perfect. Lost World has its problems, but has, like, one of the best Spielberg sequences ever captured on film. Outside of that, like, why would you ever continue this thing? And Frank Marshall said something. Frank Marshall and Steven Spielberg said something that, like, shook him, which was, this movie's going to happen with or without you, so if you're that big of a fan, you might as well do it, or we'll get somebody else. And that's when he was like, that's the idea for the movie. And so he basically pitched this whole movie using the three tenements that Spielberg came in, the three story ideas, and they page one rewrote, page one wrote Jurassic World as it stands. Then the movie went into arbitration, as it does, mm -hmm. um, with the WGA. And in a very similar thing that happened to Joss Whedon on The Avengers, which is that the Avengers movie is based on the first issue of the Avengers, where the Avengers fight Loki, who is bringing in uh, uh, an army of aliens, right, in, uh, and they have to stop him. That's the story of that first issue of the Avengers. And so then when the Avengers goes into arbitration, Zach Penn gets a story credit, despite the fact that the story that he's supposedly being credited for is just the story of issue one of the Avengers. Um, and so the same thing happened here. They end up sharing screenwriting credit despite being a page one rewrite because of those three tenements, that story wow. tenements that Spielberg brought in. He was like, it has to have these three things. And so the WGA looked at the two scripts and they're like, well, they're remarkably similar. They have these three major things. So yeah. they deserve screenwriting credit. Um, and so that's how uh, Jaffa and Silver end up with screenwriting credit on this movie, despite the and story credit, sole story credit and shared screenwriting credit, despite the fact that they did not write a single word of this movie. Um, and uh, uh, Trevorrow and Connolly were very disappointed with this outcome because, you know, I mean, it, it, it basically gave them a ton. They gave Jaffa and Silver a ton of residuals. Um, that they're going to get forever on this movie and basically cut Trevorrow and, and Connolly's residuals in like two thirds or something like that. Like they only oh get like God. a third of the normal residuals that they would have gotten from a page one screenwriting, you know, job. So, um, so there's that arbitration, man. Yeah. Arbitration. Um, it's a, uh, it's a crazy, it's a crazy thing. So, um, okay. Yeah. So so there's all of that, uh, you know, and, and the story ends up being that, you know, he wants to tell a story about capitalism and excess and how how he, his his fundamental question is, how do you ever recreate the feeling of watching Jurassic Park for the first time and seeing dinosaurs in like in quote unquote real life for the first time? How do you ever recreate that feeling? And his, he, he, the, the thing that he and Connolly realized was like, you don't, you do the opposite. You tell a story about how everyone is over it. And that's how you incorporate everything else. And you tell a story about how you fall back in love with this stuff. Um, hmm. 
and you tell this anti-capitalist thing. And I just think it's it's a really interesting way to approach this material. And I think that it is, I think his entire, Trevorrow's entire story arc for these three movies, I think his concept is basically to get back to the point where you can be awed by dinosaurs again. And I think that's what Dominion is about because you're seeing dinosaurs in spaces that you've never seen them before. And so mm-hmm. the you're, you're getting awestruck by them again, which I think was his entire like secret, super secret goal with his whole franchise is like, how do we get back to the point where you see a brontosaurus walking through a field and you're like, holy shit, it's a dinosaur. How do you get back to that point at this mm-hmm you know, where we're at now. Um, it's in your backyard. And, yeah. And hopefully, <laughs> hopefully, you know, when we see Dominion, which we haven't yet, um, when we see Dominion, hopefully he, uh, he gets there. That would be awesome. So, mm-hmm. so yeah. Uh, so that's the, that's the uh, development of this movie. Um, uh, you know, pretty straightforward. Uh, but, you know, Trevorrow talks a lot about how he went from a $750,000 film to a $150 million film um, and how scary that was. And he was like, yeah, I basically, you've heard of method acting. I had to be a method director. I had to just pretend I was a big shot director because otherwise like I would be just scared shitless in my trailer all the time <laughs> and never get anything done <laughs> because it was just like, I mean, I can't $750,000 isn't even a million and then I had 150 more of those on this movie. Whew. Like, it is insane how much of a jump this was from Safety Not Guaranteed to Jurassic World. Um, it is an insane feat that he pulled this off and had a very short production window. Um, this was shot in 72 days, which is very short for this type of movie. Um, typical for this type of movie is like, around a 90 day like 85 to like 95 range and so this was like a couple of weeks shorter than most things um but one of the things that trevorrow did that i thought was really really smart was he scheduled all of the control room scenes all of them at the very end of the shoot because he knew if they had any issues going through the movie plot wise story wise they'd be able to write them all out in the control room scenes uh-huh. So so he just saved all of that. And then as a result, there were no reshoots for this movie. Zero. Um, That's clever. Wow. That's I know. Brilliant. <laughs> I know. I know. Extremely clever. Um, but uh, yeah, that's that's the development of Jurassic World. So. Uh-huh. That's so I guess it, what, what I what I take away from all of that is that, you know, when you sit down and this is the way it has to be, you know, like I'm I'm not saying don't have opinions about the stuff that you watch. But when you sit down and watch a movie, especially a big movie like this, it is such the product of a thousand different cuts mm-hmm. that like mm-hmm. you never really know the story behind. And like, it has to be so frustrating as a storyteller yeah. to have people, you know, remark upon your movie and uh, attribute it to this and that and being like, that's not even, yeah. you're right, but like, it's not what I wanted to make. I found an amazing Reddit thread. Hmm. And when I say amazing, I mean I mean that in the absolute opposite way that I could possibly <laughs> think. Okay. <laughs> and it was a guy who was being like, Jurassic World is going to be a piece of shit, and here's why. And he lists out this thing, and his main focus of his argument is that there are four writers on this movie. 
He's like, there's four writers on this movie. And I'm like, that is someone who fundamentally doesn't even understand right. writing credits because there are mm-hmm. two writers on this movie. A, there is a write, There is one writing team and another writing team. That is two mm-hmm. writers. That is not four writers. It's not like there were four different scripts involved in this. There were two. Um, and really, as I explained, there was one. And an arbitration decided that the other one was valid enough to earn a screen credit. But it's just people talking about things that they don't understand and it's so it's so simple like he even copy and pasted the imdb listing and it was like ampersand and like the word and and ampersand for those of you who don't know ampersands mean writing teams and the word and means a secondary writer so if you have name ampersand name and name ampersand name that is two writing teams two drafts of a screenplay so it's not four writers, it's really two. And it was just so funny watching him walk through all of the reasons he was absolutely positive that this movie was going to flop, that no one was going to like it, and it was going to be terrible, and all of these things. And it was just like, you know, most people who talk about this stuff, they just don't know what they're talking about. But they're, only, they're talking about it with such authority um, that it's just very interesting to me. And I think, and it's unfortunate that the disc talking about movies is kind of, become more like that as opposed to talking about like how the movie made you feel or what mm-hmm. you noticed about it stuff yep. that you do have control over like how it affected you right like right because that's something like no one can take that away from you right absolutely um it's very unfortunate that um this is where we are now as society is like people just know people know just enough about <laughs> filmmaking to be dangerous you know, like it's that thing where they ju- they know just enough to sound like they know what they're talking about. And then we get all of these idiots on, you know, that have YouTube followings where they're like, oh, yeah, Kathleen Kennedy is definitely getting fired on Friday every Friday, uh-huh. um, yep. you know, <laughs> and it's just like it's so unfortunate that this is where we're at. Um, but you're right. Like, I wish more people wa- took things as they were instead of like putting all of their all of this other baggage into it but you know nick that's the reason we do this whole podcast is like we try (laughs) to like break that down and add that context and like try to like not make excuses for things that aren't working or whatever but just explain what why something like this could happen you know Mm -hmm. um and and not in like a judgmental way (laughs) so (laughs) right yeah making a movie is crazy it is it is Mm-hmm. Um, it really is a a bad person, a very bad person once said, uh, uh, making any movie is, a, is a miracle. Um, and making a good one, it seems basically impossible. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not going to say, I'm not going to attribute who said that quote because they're a bad person, but they were right about that one thing. <laughs> anyway, let's, uh, let's break down this movie. Yeah. We're ready to, yeah. uh, to dive in. Yeah. Journey again. To the world of Jurassic Park. <laughs> yes. Ela Nublar. Mm-hmm. Uh, we open with uh, really. Okay. So we get the Amblin logo, which I remember being really cool at the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I flipped for that. I love that. <laughs> and uh, we get a close up of an egg hatching. And I'm pretty sure this is supposed to be the Indominus Rex being born. The, the mm-hmm. two. The, the sisters. Yeah. The, being the oh, the siblings. Yeah. yeah. I I so I will say for a movie there are there are two two things that I really don't like about this movie. Well, three things mm-hmm. I really don't like mm-hmm. about this movie. 
this is the first thing that I hate. I really hate this opening. I think it's cheesy. Oh, really? Yeah, I just think it's cheesy and it doesn't it's meaningless. Like they they say what happens later. So like you don't need this. They spent a lot of money on the CGI of the sequence and I don't feel like it, it doesn't feel like Jurassic Park to me because mm. Jurassic Park is like text on black. Like that's Jurassic Park to me. And so immediately having the title card over like a cracked egg, I'm just like, eh. like it just doesn't feel uh, right to me. I don't know. Uh, credit to the uh, the digital artists or the you know the animators of the the Indominus Rex baby. The yeah. the it getting a close up and like seconds after being born, it is like visibly freaked out. And yeah, un- <clears throat> like unstable. It kind of reminded me of when like Ultron activates and is immediately like, oh, this is wrong. I'm not supposed Why to do exist. I exist? <laughs> Why do I exist? And it was like effectively creepy to me. So I, I was I, I was into the opening. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Um, I think I so I, the the creepiness of that though is so undercut by the bird in the next shot. I yeah. Oh oh, where you like think the, it's a the bird, smash cut to the, yeah. the 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 bird foot? And you're like oh, what's that? Oh, it's a it's a teeny little bird. <laughs> See if that was the opening shot of the movie, like I just think that would rule. Like if you just do the text on black Jurassic World title card and then that, mm-hmm. um, I think that would have been like a killer opening to this movie. I think the egg takes something away from it, but. The uh, the yeah. bird thing reminds me of the uh, the Ian Malcolm yawn from Lost World. Totally, <laughs> same energy. Absolutely, same energy. And uh, we are introduced to the the main family of the movie. We get uh, just a rock solid cast in 2015. Judy Greer mm-hmm. playing her second mom role of the summer. She would also play uh, Scott Lang's estranged wife in Ant Man. Right, mm-hmm. that was also this year. Damn. Another movie. Another movie that Scott loved. Another Scott all, movie. Everyone else was like, meh. <laughs> I was having a rough go in 2015. Wow, I gotta yeah, be honest. You're going through it. <laughs> Seeing some good movies, though. Yeah, for me. Like, yeah. this is some of my favorite movies. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was a good year for me, but also, like, a rough year for me getting to talk about movies with people. Mm-hmm. For sure. <laughs> We're not getting chided. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Judy Greer is the mother to Ty Simpkins, who moviegoers saw a couple summers past in Iron Man 3 mm-hmm. as Tony Stark's little, little boy side. Little Iron little Man. Iron Man. Little, <laughs> little Johnny Iron Man. And then they saw him again and went at, they saw him again at Iron Man's funeral. And everyone's like, who is that? Who is and that? Then, <laughs> and then there's there's this great moment in the in the documentary about the making of this movie where Frank Marshall is like, yeah, like we brought in Judy Greer to be in the movie, you know, like she adds this this just like respectability to these roles and like all these things. And she's like and she just did it because she wanted to be in a Jurassic Park movie. And I was like, I'm sure she said that, but this is probably not what she meant when she said she'd like to be in a Jurassic Park movie. Right. I'm sure she probably thought like, oh, yeah, I'd love to be in a Jurassic Park movie where I interact with dinosaurs, not be in a Jurassic Park movie where I am at a house and I'm putting kids in a car and I'm seeing my lawyer and then picking my kids up at the end of the movie. <laughs> and I and I snap at my soon-to-be ex-husband, uh uh, what's his name? <laughs> the guy from the office. Right, the guy uh, from know. the office. Yeah. Even uh even like Lauren Lapkus and Jake Johnson, they get to say dinosaur stuff. Yeah. Right. Totally. They have they have a fun role. I I love yeah. them. But yeah. I'm like, yeah, like they they say bring respectability to these characters, and I'm like, write better characters. Mm-hmm. Like ugh, come on. Like, would you, you would you bring both... Judy Greer in for this role? Like, 
such a um i like so that this movie isn't super long but i know you're both home alone home alone fans yeah. would um, you have been into a Catherine o'hara type like runner plot where it's oh, judy yeah. Greer, like yeah. trying to get to the island oh like, that'd be I, i'd love that oh that would be great i yeah that would be so great um like yeah she slips money to like a costa rican air pilot yeah oh yeah and then <laughs> oh my god but the worst part about that is like if her and and the guy from the office end up having more chemistry than owen and and her because oh, yeah you know like my natural screenwriting brain was be would be like oh yeah and then it's like the story about how they like fall in love again and like now they're not gonna right. get divorced because <laughs> right. like, like yeah well, yeah for oh my god what's happening yeah but the fact that like they would have more chemistry than the two leads <laughs> yeah. i think is really funny um but anyway uh so they are it really it really wrecks my brain that this is technically a christmas movie because it has such summer vibes yeah that's but, weird. Uh, they are, yeah, but they are leaving for winter break because there's, yeah. a, you know, Christmas carols right, playing snow or snow ground. on the ground. Yeah. yeah. Weird. Uh, Ty Simpkins' older brother, I think his name was Zach, yes. is played by Nick Robinson, who was just in a movie at the time that I really enjoyed called The Kings of Summer. Mm -hmm. He was also uh, The Kings of Summer, which is a very, like, I, I feel like feels like of of a part for some reason like it has a very indie feel similarly to like safety not guaranteed and for it's sure. like indie energy um indie sundance mm -hmm. energy but yeah he's also love simon oh yeah he is love simon yeah oh okay yeah so yeah the adventures of love simon yeah they're they're the other thing that i don't love about the movie but it's because i don't think it's executed as like I see what they're trying to do, but I don't think it's executed well. Um, unfortunately, Brian, do you feel feel similarly about the brothers? You know, I, I, I Ty Simpkins, like his like his delivery of his like schlumpy, like oh they're gonna get a divorce. Like I just like I I can't not laugh, and like and <laughs> this is coming from a guy whose parents got divorced like when I was that kid's age, mm. <laughs> and so like. Uh, I, I that kid that character should be you know touching my my heart and it, it doesn't like i i just say don't buy it at all and then like his older brother is just like i, I it's just like you're gonna get trolling for girls the entire time like yeah. and uh, well, after after leaving his girlfriend hanging and not telling her i love you at the beginning of the movie yeah so 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 hate that hate his whole like trolling for girls thing really hate that i don't know what what thematic purpose that has um, theme park's got to be horny scott and like, i don't and i well, don't like uh, the divorce thing because that doesn't have anything to do with anything it's just a right, reason exactly. to get them on the island which i think is stupid yeah. um like you could just do that without the divorce you can just do send that send your kid to a theme park without getting divorced <laughs> yeah you can just send your kid to a theme park because she needs to be with family which is like part of her whole arc right right uh, whatever that's that's enough um but like I get that the the theme of them is supposed to be no one in this movie is looking at dinosaurs the way that you should look at dinosaurs except mm -hmm. for the little kid and that the brother mm -hmm. is supposed to be like a representation of like the too cool for school mentality of like 
oh, whatever. Like, yeah, this isn't yeah. cool. Like, whatever. He's the, he, like, he's the guy who goes to, like, you know, the Universal Horror Night be- to get laid, you know, to, like, try yeah. and, like, meet chicks. He doesn't care about, like, the <laughs> Stranger Things maze. Right, exactly, exactly. Um, And then, you know, gets sort of, like, won over by it. Like, that's supposed to be the theme of them. But I just think that it gets muddled with the divorce and the the girlfriend thing and the trolling for women. What does that have to do with it? Like, it's just... Mm-hmm. It's it's like it's just there's too much in there, actually. Mm-hmm. And I feel like they could have scaled it back and then reinforced what they were trying to do with the uh, the overall like themes of the movie. Yeah. And like their purpose in it, I guess. And one thing I think this movie is missing uh, compared to like the original Jurassic Park. There are with the original Jurassic Park, you have scary scene with the T-Rex. T-Rex gets out uh, and then. Uh, the kids uh, have to go hide in that tree, and then they wake up with the Brachiosaurus, like you know, like up right up in their face. You don't have the the scenes of wonder. You don't have any scenes of wonder like that, like that, like undercut the the scary moments. You know, you don't have those scenes of wonder for those kids. Even like, give them a moment to be like, oh, hey, there's a like, you know, we we may have almost gotten killed here, but here's at least a very nice dinosaur that we can pet. I I appreciate what you're saying. However, uh-huh. that is not okay. the point of this movie. Um, Fair. <laughs> like, like the point of the, the the literal point of this movie is to not be odd and one in 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 wonder of of these creatures. Um, because I think that that's supposed to be the sort of like arc of it. And I don't, I don't know. I just think, it's... and probably why it is so uninterested in doing something that is. For so many moviegoers, an essential part of their memory of Jurassic Park uh-huh. that, mm-hmm. you know, they're like, wait, why isn't this doesn't have like that moment? And like, yeah, because it's kind of going for more of like a meaner, more cynical yeah. horror thing. And it's like, well, I don't want that. You know, I want my, <laughs> right. I want my Jurassic but the Park. Older bro- but you were saying earlier, though, that the older brother didn't have like like that was like kind of the point is like that he's supposed to be going uh, starting from the the cynical and. Uh, angle and then is supposed to warm up to it more and have that moment yeah there's no there's no moment yeah there's no moment where you you see him being like dinosaurs there's there's well there's hilariously the the closest thing you have is when he's like so not into the park and then you see the big old honking uh mosasaurus come and like eat the shark and just that Uh one moment has the power to make him think that this park is cool that he yeah. loves his brother, and that he's going to start taking care of his brother. Yeah, and then, like they immediately go on the like the gyroscope. That's that's supposed to be the moment because the moment I, I to me like it seems like it's more about the park than it is about dinosaurs. Where it's like this is it's more about like what the park represents, not what the dinosaurs represent. And so like the the fact is like the older kid is like this park is lame. Like we're not like. We're not, we're not like, it's not dangerous, but they're like pretending that it is. And like, you know, like the dinosaurs are like behind bars and like, blah, blah, blah. We're like in like, we're looking at them through glass. Like it's lame. And the, the brother is like, no, but it's like cool. Cause we're seeing a dinosaur. Look at it. It's like right there. And like, for me, it feels like the kid is excited to be at Jurassic world, not like just seeing dinosaurs, which I think is like the difference between what Jurassic Park is trying to do and what Jurassic World is trying to do is it's Uh more like this kid's a theme park nerd. And, like, yeah, he likes dinosaurs, but it's, like, it's the theme park part of it. Like, this is... It's, like, trying to show what Jurassic World could be if 
capitalism didn't get in the way. Like this, right. this is who this park is for. So like yeah, the- having a scene where they like see a dinosaur in the wild doesn't do anything for the thematics of like the possibilities of what Jurassic World could have been if ca- capitalism didn't rear its ugly head. Mm. Yeah, uh, in that in that sh- in that show, uh, the was it the Mosasaurus, so the, yeah. the, the the water one. Uh, when they when w- he eats the shark, and then the theater lowers, yeah. so that you can see underwater, and like it just that gets such a huge pop from the entire crowd. Yeah, like mm-hmm. that, like that's a uh, that is a good point when you say about it, it is about the the park because that is like that's a cool trick that they're playing there and everyone's real just hyped to see that like oh cool our seats are moving <laughs> that that being said i couldn't stop thinking about how cold everyone would be going oh, from yeah, being freezing. soaked outside and then lowering into an air conditioned no. like yeah. <laughs> uh, so oh, the, the brother so the brother stuff the brother stuff definitely muddled but Scott brought up something that I kind of lit my imagination on fire. Um, the idea that in, in a world where, you know, there is Jurassic World has existed for a few years now, and also YouTube mm-hmm. and theme park YouTubers, mm-hmm. there would absolutely be Jurassic World YouTubers. Yep. Mm-hmm. People who had theories about why they shut down a pavilion and what it could be turning into next year. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, man. That's really good we that would have been Henry that would have been a fun character to have like that's a fun energy to have added to this movie but i don't think they had like like theme park vloggers were not a thing in 2015 right. like they are now For um, sure. it was but like that would be a really like defunct no, land like, i don't even know had started yet in 2015 i'm not sure i was thinking was, like, it'd be so funny if like there were like if a, a way of delivering plot devices, someone found a defunct land video about a Jurassic. <laughs> oh my god! Yes. Holy shit! If if the next movie opened up with a defunct land documentary about the original Jurassic Park, yeah, and it's or like even a Jurassic World. Universe. Oh, that would be so. Oh, that would be so good because Jurassic World is open, so then they could like go through like all of the attractions that were there that we didn't see, oh. and like all of that. Um, I would kill for Jurassic World Dominion or whatever it's called to be to Universal, open that way. And Universal so should just pay Kevin Perger to like do like a tie viral thing. content, yeah, viral content, yeah, just do one like he is like playing it as is this one hundred percent real? Oh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Holy like, crap. This is what this is what the Kevin Perger in the Jurassic universe would be doing. It's it's like uh-huh. how I've always wanted to see like Ken Burns as the Clone Wars. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. I, I would just love that so much. Yeah. But as the sun set on Solace, little did that platoon of clone troopers knew. <laughs> It'd be amazing. Um absolutely incredible. But uh oh. Yeah. Um. So I w- So at this point, we get the kind of the establishing hero shot of Claire in the elevator. Uh, in the elevator. Wow. Wait. So and, we got the uh, we got the we got the sweeping shot of the yes. The okay, city so, walk. Okay. So that was shot mm-hmm. in New Orleans at the defunct, um, dead Six Flags that like. Katrina oh yeah, when they got ruined. That's where they built that. They literally built a basically a back lot a theme park back lot um and and just like they built the whole thing i mean you can see like in the behind the scenes there's green screens like around the tops of the buildings to like block the 
parking lot and everything. But yeah, like it is they literally all those people are just like walking around a a basically cr- uh, a created main street for Jurassic World. Um I love New it. Orleans. I mean like they they say this all the time in movies like behind the scenes stuff, but like, you know, oh, we want the audience to feel like they could step out of the screen and just be in Jurassic World and like yeah. I I feel that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I love the name of the store being Jurassic Traders, um, which is uh-huh. a reference to Star Traders. Like, I just, uh-huh. I love that. It's so good. I, uh. I, 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 you know, this is probably my third or fourth time watching this movie. And I just, every time I end up pausing so much, like looking at every piece of, you know, souvenirs, the, uh, every, all the souvenirs in the shop, all the, the yeah. different restaurants, like freaking Brookstone. And I think I saw this uh, crazy. Pandora I, jewelry. <laughs> I think I saw this six times in theaters because of movie. Wow. Pass. Yeah. Um, I had the movie pass and I was like, God, I just, I, I just had such a good time watching this movie. And a lot of it uh-huh. is the fact that like the theme park is open. And so like, you know, I want to, yeah. it has like, I think the summer vibes that I mentioned, it kind of comes from that. You get the feeling like you are at universal for the day or you're just walking uh-huh. around the theme park. Yeah. Watching yeah, this I, movie. I only got to see it one time in theaters because uh, we, my wife and I, we, we got married in March, but we had a, a reception. Like we like, uh, we uh, eloped in March and then we had a reception in June. And so we had to see this the night uh, opening night, the night before our reception. And then the night then before that was, we went on a month long honeymoon to Europe. So like, I was like, we have like Jenny, we have to see Jurassic world (laughs) before we go to Europe. We can't not see it. So I I drug my poor, my poor fiance to go see I guess wife at the time since we eloped. Uh, I poor my I dragged my poor wife who was you know we were working on planning our reception and then our our you know our international honeymoon and wow. <laughs> only got to see Jurassic World one time. Yeah, oh, I think I think it's not six times and it's just like the whole movie watching the whole movie just felt like walking around in the sun for you know two hours and then getting inside like an air-conditioned building like in line for a ride you know like that's what the, it had that energy yeah it's just like uh-huh i just i just loved it so much um so anyway even with all it's... of his flaws <laughs> oh also i want to say because at this point we really get like that big swell of music and i there's an argument to be made that no one working on this movie is having more fun than michael giacchino uh-huh Mm, yep. Just such a fun, like really having fun with trying to nail the John Williams feel. Yeah. But it, it still has that Giacchino jazz that can't yeah. help but come out. Ugh, uh-huh. It's really good. It's really, really good. Um, yeah. I love so, the, the, yeah. So we meet Claire. Uh, I immediately, I just relate to Claire so much. Mm-hmm. I, I just think she's such an interesting, like when she's like memorizing names, mm-hmm. like I've, I do that. I just don't remember people's names and constantly feel like I don't like value people enough or that I just kind of have like blinders on. Uh, I have two nephews and I would like run through a dinosaur infested jungle to, to like help them. But do I know their birthdays off the top of my head? I do not. And and that hurts. And so like, I remember just like even in 2015, because they were even younger then. I was just like, oh man, I'm, I'm, I get her. I get her journey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and we're seeing this opening scene and she's very corporate and she's, mm-hmm. you know, 
calling the dinosaurs assets and yeah. and attractions and experiences mm-hmm. and not what they are, which is living animals. Yeah. Um, what was really striking about that first scene where she's like leading the the the, the suits, you know, I guess. The Verizon the wireless people. suits. The Verizon <laughs> wireless people through the lab and she's like, Don't worry, you know, this thing's gonna be bigger and scarier and more teeth and you know, we are the park is uh attendance is always going up, but so are costs. And every time they introduce a dinosaur, like clockwork, attendance goes up and money goes up. Right. So, and mm-hmm. the whole time she, she's saying this, the, the, they're just saying like, how soon, when, how big is it going to be? And it is like the spiritual antithesis to the scene where Hammond is pitching everything to Sattler and Malcolm and Alan. And they're like, are you fucking insane? You, <laughs> you know, like that is how not, are you going to control not, any of this? <laughs> yeah. Those conversations are not happening this time. Right, no. right, you know, yeah, and and it's yeah, okay. So here's a here's a really interesting. Speaking of money, here's an interesting question that I always think about while watching this movie: mm. How much does it cost to go to Jurassic World? A lot. Because oh, did you look it up? It, it's got to be a lot. Oh. Yeah, I'm thinking. I'm thinking around five grand a person. Yeah, I can see that. Like a I day, mean, they do have a coupon a day. day. Yeah, right. A coupon day, of course. <laughs> how how much is like that 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 new like Moana themed resort that Disney opened like, a few years ago? Like, that kind of Polynesian. Oh, the you know, how Alani, much Alani? You mean the Alani? Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah Alani is insanely expensive. <laughs> yeah, it's very pricey. It's uh, I mean, it's not like five thousand a day, and it's just a resort. No. There's no attractions, so it's probably in the ballpark of like. What like seven seven fifty a night or something like that? Probably yeah. probably seven fifty to like eight fifty a night, something like that. What I, are the Jura- what are the Jurassic World hotels like? I, well, we see one. You have nowhere else to stay. Like yeah, that's right. so you you have to stay there, which is something that I thought was odd because like she asked like oh well how many people do we have here right now and I'm like you should know how many people you have because. <laughs> Like, it's not like people are, like, hopping over on their way home from work to go to Jurassic World, like right. some people do at Disneyland. Mm-hmm, right. You know, it's, it's like everyone here is literally paying to stay on your property. You should, you should have a, a good general idea right. of how many people are there. Uh, yeah, I did, I did notice that the hotel is a Hilton. <laughs> it is uh, uh, the Hilton Jurassic World, and I, I can't imagine it's... Uh, it's cheap, especially the suite that they were staying in, uh, the hotel room that they were, the, the boys were staying in looked real nice. Yeah. Oh, I mean, they're staying for free because, you know. Oh, VIP, well, yeah, for sure. Yeah, but, but um, yeah, but you got to pay, for, uh, you got to have the, either a helicopter or a, they took a plane, then a ferry to mm-hmm. the specific island, right? Yeah. Yes. I think, I think the ferry took them directly to the, a dock and they were, to, they walked into the Jurassic World. Right. Uh-huh. Right. Where they met. It's the, it's their, the magical express. babysitter. Of- <laughs> right Zara. god that that poor woman yeah deserves so, so much better should we well here's right, the thing let, let's, let's I, just I, bring go ahead what were you gonna say one of my one of my favorite uh, i i think about this every time i see a horror movie there's this disney channel original movie called under wraps mm-hmm. where these 90s kids find a mummy and <laughs> and what we, we assume that by the title <laughs> yeah yeah fair uh and the protagonist like loves horror movies and has like you know horror stuff all over his room and his best friend is like i don't like it why do you do this how can you you know blah 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 and the the friend says like john it's a horror movie 
What do you think happens in a horror movie? <laughs> Horrible things. <laughs> <laughs> and I say that every time in a horror movie, I'm like, well, that, that, that guy was just trying to go to the gas station. He got eaten by a monster. I'm like, well, it, it was horrible. It's a horror movie. <laughs> yeah yeah that's true i so and and that was that was one of the first things that like pissed people off that colin trevorrow said i think um in like an interview was like something up along those lines of just like so they're, they're like what do you mean she like she didn't deserve that and he's like nobody deserved any of this like what are you talking about um uh, i think some of the the in-gen people deserve it but <laughs> and 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 so he was um uh, but one thing that is um has been talked about. I think he mentioned he or Derek Connolly mentioned this in an interview in the original script that they wrote. Her mm. character was an asshole and was like, he, they, she felt that babysitting them is beneath her. And she was right. constantly trying to undermine, um, uh, uh, Claire throughout the whole thing. And so, uh, and, okay. and like, and like take Claire's job. Like it was this whole thing, this whole plot line that, never even got shot because <laughs> universal was just like yeah we just need to cut some stuff out of this like this yeah, what whatever this? No. but the problem was they had already spent the money pre-vising her death scene mm-hmm. so oh, there was no going no. back with that so what you see is the death scene for a character that is trying to steal claire's job and thinks that she's too good for babysitting these kids but in the movie that we get, we just have a babysitter that has like two lines of dialogue. Yeah, she uh-huh. is. What's what's so funny about Zara in the movie that we get is she is a hundred percent the normal amount of disengaged yes. that an assistant uh-huh. would would be like babysitting these two like teenagers. Right, and so she's just like a person. Like even her one line about no, I'm not letting him have a bachelor party. His friends are animals. Like it just. <laughs> You're like, oh, okay, I, I see you, Zara. <laughs> yeah. But no, that she just um, gets absolutely wrecked. Yeah. Oh, so that's God, that's the awful. reason that it exists in the final film is just because <laughs> they're like, we've already spent too much money on her death scene. And I'm like, then yeah. just make it a random person. It doesn't have to be her. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, my Jimmy goodness. I, just, I, I knew it was coming, and I still, I just watched it with my mouth agape. And I'm just like, yeah, no, yeah. It, it's kind of like... <laughs> It's like a, it's kind of why I think like, you know, every family guy chicken fight would be horrifying <laughs> if it was live action. Yeah. But, it, but it's also, but the, but the thing that I do like about it though, is it's very memorable mm-hmm. in, in the same way that like death scenes in the, in the original Jurassic Park movies are super memorable where you're just like, they didn't deserve that. Well, yeah. yeah. And when you watch, horror and when you movie. watch the special features, of of like how this stunt was pulled off it's kind of it's a incredible feat of stunt work from a a non-stunt person yeah yeah she would go on to be uh lana luther on supergirl um a main cast member on that show for the five or six years that that was on um like right after this i think by the time this aired like i think super supergirl premiered that fall like 2015 i think um so you think Supergirl like, would have really come in handy during this? <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, the dinosaurs couldn't eat her. That's true. She could probably like, yeah, just punch the Indominus yeah. Rex. Just swing him around by his neck, throw him <laughs> into space. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Supergirl throws an endangered animal directly into the sun. <laughs> Not endangered. Uh, a, right. mo- a monster that shouldn't exist. Right. Not even an animal. <laughs> 
and a, a true abomination. Oh uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, uh, we get, uh, oh, oh yeah. The moment where Claire meets the nephews and she's like totally checked out, you know, it's the goalposts are there and yeah, you can see like protagonist Claire, like mm-hmm. in these, in these scenes, uh, we go to the control center. We meet Lauren Lapkus and Jake Johnson. We get the, him wearing the vintage shirt of that park where like three people died. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's good. I, I, I I'm curious how how much in this world do they know about the original park? It's been a while since I've watched uh watched the second Jurassic World. So how like yeah like how big is it? Do we ever get an indication of that? I think like you know the so Lowry Jake Johnson's character says that the shirt can get up to like five hundred dollars on eBay, mm-hmm. right? I think it's kind of like, you know, this this takes place a couple of years before Firefest happened. But uh-huh. I kind of equated to that maybe where there probably are people that are like obsessed with the Jurassic Park incident. Mm-hmm. But it it probably, you know, it's kind of something we learn. I've learned these past few years is that the craziest stuff can happen and humanity will absorb it and normalize it. I I, I mean, that's the thing that like I don't want to talk too heavily on in terms of like that whole meme that happened after COVID where it's like, I owe Jurassic world an apology, you know, like that, sure, whole, sure, sure. that whole thing. Um, Cause it, it's been talked about to death, but you're, you're right. absolutely right. And the Jurassic, I, the thing that I love about the t-shirt thing that I've never really thought about before until watching it this time was like, there was like an urban explorer who went to Jurassic park, mm-hmm. found the gift shop, <gasps> stole all of those shirts and has been selling them on eBay for $500 a pop. Um, yep. And he, love he needs to be a character in a Jurassic movie. Hell yeah. Love. I oh. love that for him. Love that for him <laughs> or her. <laughs> like, that's, a, a nerdy... that's a fun idea. <laughs> <laughs> like they, they, they break in, they spelunk. They're like Ray. They just yeah. scavenge from the park. They have <laughs> my, my uncle owns like an airport on, in Costa Rica and we ship it out. I, that, so that's a really fun idea. The alternative goes back to the, the, the story idea that I talked about. Was it, last week on Jurassic Park 3 that where I mm. talked about the idea of like a movie that takes place in the building of Jurassic World like what was it like to like rein in all the dinosaurs that are just roaming around the island getting mm. them back into paddocks building Jurassic World what was that like because in that version it could be an employee that's working at the building of Jurassic World that finds mm. that old gift shop and like steals the shirts and sells oh. them it's it's like yeah like a, like a park employee stealing uh the uh buzzy yes uh-huh. absolutely yes <laughs> yes oh, oh man. man uh so then we uh we meet Erfren khan mm-hmm. who is playing the uh the head R. of engen r.i.p absolutely oh that's uh, right mm-hmm. yeah uh masrami is is the character name he's so good in this movie because i i love how much he loves john hammonds and how much he respects john hammonds and john hammonds mission and he's like mm. this is what i'm gonna do but also he likes being rich uh he uh-huh. i mean you know he just he can't help it it's yeah. fun you know he he reminds me a lot of he, he makes a lot of the same mistakes as john hammond where mm-hmm. he's so charming and has that same kind of paternal energy mm-hmm. where you can tell the people that work with him really do like have a, a great deal of respect and affection for him, mm-hmm. but then you could see him cutting corners yep. and not ask, mm-hmm. not being thorough. Like he's just flying a helicopter 
even though he doesn't really know how. And it's kind of like funny in the movie, but that is 100% what gets him killed. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yep. Uh, so, yeah, I think he's a great, great Jurassic character, I think. Yeah. No, he's he's really great. I And I just, I love him, like, quoting Hammonds of, like, the spare no expense and all of that and just sort of missing the point, right? Like, he's got... The over that's that's something. So like you know like um Brian that that thing about like awe the, like you you're missing that awe scene of like right. people being like oh wow like dinosaurs holy shit. Um, I think what this movie actually needed to reinforce the that story is not the Big Brother seeing how cool Jurassic World is, but seeing how much his brother thinks it's cool and being into uh-huh. that. Like, having a moment like that, because I think that that's what Irfan Khan's character is, like, really responding to, is how much people love Jurassic World. And, Uh like, that's the thing that he's, like, really into, is, like, I made this thing, and people love it, and I did it for John, but, like, also, I did this. So, (laughs) I feel really good about this, and, you know, and I want to, I spare no expense, I want to share it with the world. Um, And I think that that's... That would reinforce that sort of like park theme that I was talking about um, in terms of like what Jurassic World could mean to the world had it not been overrun by capitalism. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just, it's a, uh, it's a lot to, lot to get into. I mean, lot, I mean, it's like, there's so many questions in, in like the gap between, like you know, when the park yeah. was made. So, Irfan mm-hmm. uh, Khan lands. Claire takes him directly to the uh, Indominus Rex space, and is like, we have that scene where you can kind of see that he's camouflaged. And Irfan uh, mm-hmm. Khan's like, okay, I have some questions. Uh, go get, go, go get that Raptor guy. Uh, bring, bring, bring Raptor guy in here and have him, have him check this out. Yeah, this they is- never thought to bring him in before because he has raptor dna absolutely there's like i i was keeping a list of like oh my god they didn't do this they didn't they never told anyone that worked with security hey we're developing the perfect killing machine Mm -hmm. if if you guys want to spend some time maybe creating like scenarios where you can train for this you know Mm -hmm. and just like the failure of bureaucracy i found myself really appreciating in like a no, oh, you wouldn't do this, you pieces of shit. You but know? the thing, but yeah, but the thing that's frustrating about it is like people see that and they think it's plot holes, and they're like, uh-huh. "No, the plot wouldn't happen without the, these idiots right. doing what they're doing." Like they're all that's the entire point of Jurassic Park movies. Yeah, they're all capitalist-minded <laughs> morons. Like all they care about, they they see the world in money signs, and they don't see anything else. I think the issue is that. You have like Owen becomes both the Ian Malcolm and the Alan Grant. Uh-huh. And by merging those two characters into one, you make them both kind of not as interesting, I think. Mm-hmm. I think you needed someone like if Jake Johnson had been in more than just the control room, right, in this movie, and had mm-hmm. been like along for the ride on the adventure occasionally, and it was just like, no, 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 don't do that. Cause like, I, in Jurassic Park, they did that, and like that—that that was bad. Like uh, that was a, you know yeah. what I mean? Like having that kind of energy, I think, could have added a lot to um, 
Uh, I don't know. Oh, he should be he should be the guy that we've been talking about, where he has like a side hustle, where he's just stealing shit and selling it. Hell yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, that would be yeah five hundred dollars pop. Like he like they're like, where did you get that? Oh, I got it on eBay. But like really, he's the one who sells them. Mm. I yeah, you could see maybe just see him like you know, like kick a box underneath his desk. <laughs> you yeah. can see his t shirt sticking out of it. Yeah, For sure. Um, there's a that and that would have a- been a great telegraph of we're going like. This this pl- still exists. The original building still exists. That's all of true. These. Like oh, that would have yeah. been a perfect like Chekhov's T-shirt. Like yeah, <laughs> totally. That's good. Really good. Uh, so oh, and I like the line. There's a great line where uh, you know, they remark upon uh, Irvin Khan remarks upon how smart the Indominus Rex is, and Claire's like, yeah, for a dinosaur. And it's like, oh, she she, she does not respect the yes. intelligence of the of these creatures. Yes, she does not at all. I'm so sorry. Going back to Jake Johnson, though, and the thing with stealing the T-shirts. Also, what that would set up, if he was part of the adventure, he could be the one where they're like, yeah, we we have to get to, like, this thing. And he's like, I could take you there. I do it all the time. (laughs) And you're just like, oh, shit, because he goes there all the time to steal the Mm -hmm. T-shirts. So he leads them back. to him driving a Jeep over there. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. He leads them back to Jurassic Park. um, Oh, that's great. Yeah, he's like carved out a path for himself. Yes, like, he's like spent day, like weeks macheting jungle <laughs> back there. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he has man, to give away all so his secrets. Yeah. Oh, that's great. I yeah. oh, I want that for sure. Uh, and then we, you know, after much talking about him, we uh, we finally meet Owen and the Raptors. Uh, arguably the single most iconic aspect to these movies mm-hmm. you know that that indelible image of of owen wilson owen wilson of owen grady i wish with the the vest and the little clicker and the hand and like you know i mean they they, they do it's been added to the parks now yeah yeah mm-hmm. he is it's introduced a, it's cool he mm-hmm. he's also introduced at the end of act one which does like from a screenplay structure standpoint that's usually that typically when you introduce your antagonist of the film not your main character so like yeah he is absolutely not intended to be the main character of this movie um he is he is the the secondary character meant to change the protagonist of the film who is claire i feel so stupid for not having realized that he's not the main character all this time the marketing man it's powerful you know it is it so is you know, you see that image of him on the poster of him, like driving his motorcycle with the Raptors by yep. his side. Like, yeah, that it's so stuck in my brain. Yeah, yeah. It's just, it's it was just too strong of an image, and that's that 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 comes up again and again. It reminds me of like in our X Men series when even the scent of Days of Future Past, they were like, make that tomorrow. We want that right now. Right, and it ended up causing all these crazy, you know, thematic logistical issues because like. Like we we keep saying, they wanted better, more. They wanted more teeth now. Right, right. Uh, we get uh, Omar Sy shows up as Owen Grady's like buddy, Raptor trainer guy. Mm-hmm. Love Omar Sy, the X Men Days of Future Past alumni. Did they even plan that? Yeah, I wish that. I wish that. Um, you know, going back to sort of like the the character stuff and how like kind of bland, um, Owen is. It's interesting because like. Colin Trevorrow and Derek Connolly, like I think about, I think about Claire, right? Mm. And how she has an arc in this movie, like beginning, middle, and end. But 
we literally don't know anything about her. Like, how did she get to this point? Like, how is she the marketing director of Jurassic World? Like, what did she do to, like, get to that point? We don't learn mm-hmm. about anything about that. And we don't in Jurassic Park either. We don't really know anything about any of the characters in Jurassic Park until they show up. And then, as we talked about, their archetype played by character actors who endow these archetypes with, like, you know, tons of personality and charisma and all these things. And that's what makes the movie work is that it doesn't overcomplicate it with all of this exposition about who these characters are beforehand. Mm. So they do the same thing with Claire and to a lesser extent, Owen. Um, But the problem is like, I feel like there's not enough. They're not enough of archetypes or I don't know, maybe they're just the wrong kind of archetype or something. Um, I wish that like, Frank Marshall had been smart enough. Frank Marshall and Steven Spielberg had been smart enough to bring in David Kep to take oh, wow, a yeah. take a pass on this. I I just imagine like don't change anything about the story. Just do a pass on the characters, and I just I bet this movie is a thousand times better as a result. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they're 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 both just broader than even the three in Jurassic. The the the, the three leads in Jurassic Park felt like real people that you could like bump into mm-hmm. and and sometimes in an entertaining way these two are much more like you know movie characters yeah yeah because they mm-hmm. are just archetypes like they mm-hmm. are and and but unfortunately like that's all they are because they didn't get character actors for the two of them that uh, like they're not bringing that extra flair that that you know Goldblum and all of them brought to those characters in the original um, other than like, I feel like Irfan Khan is doing a lot, um, mm-hmm. a lot. I think Jake Johnson and Lauren Lapkus are doing a lot. I mean, they're minor characters. And I think Vincent D'Onofrio absolutely fucking rules in this movie. Yes. Um, it like super underrated, like no one talks about him in this movie, <laughs> but he is like a fully formed character where you're like, I know everything about this guy. Especially like the fact that his shirt is just like a little too small, like because he's uh-huh. just like, he's just a little in denial about like what he looks like, you know, like it's just like everything about him. He he. I'm like I've, I've, I've the... seen the I've seen the shirt yes. pulling apart at the buttons. Yep, like yep. I, I I know about that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, he God. just saunters into this movie and immediately comes with a whole new perspective that we haven't explored yet in the universe, which is the military. Here is a character who explicitly believes he states that war is a part of nature. Yes, mm-hmm. and so he's looking at these these bionic these these like biological these animals that can't be hacked, that can't be reprogrammed, that can go into tunnels and stuff the way drones can't. And he's like, "Why aren't we using this to do ops to 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 you know flex our might to do missions?" You know, mm-hmm. and. Immediately, you can kind of like see the folly, and and so do Omar Sy and Chris Pratt are just immediately like calling him an idiot. But it's a it he, he has such conviction, yes, in the same way that John Hammond does or Ian Malcolm yes. does. Yes. He really believes what he's saying, or even the lawyer, <laughs> the lawyer, right? Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. Everyone, everyone in this movie should be working at Vincent D'Onofrio's level, um, mm-hmm. and they're just not because I don't think. I think that Colin Trevorrow, like, I I feel like he is, he knows how to, like, hit themes and archetypes and things like that. And then he's a very visual guy. Uh, but I don't think he really understands what is needed for a really good, like, 
how to like find a really good character actor. I think he saw Chris Pratt and was like, this is what I pictured in my head. This is the guy versus like getting somebody who does something really interesting with the material. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think that that's, I I, I really think that that's the problem here. Um, Mm -hmm. And Bryce Dallas Howard, it sucks that a lot of her best scenes are in the deleted scenes. Um, There's this great scene where uh, Owen finds like a big pile of shit and just starts rubbing shit all over himself to like cover his scent. And, and he's like, she like sees him and is like, what are you doing? And he's like, we have to cover our scent, which means that that vanilla body lotion that you wear every day day. And she's like, I don't wear vanilla body, body lotion. That's just how I smell. And he's like, yeah, okay, whatever. Anyway, <laughs> you need to cover it up. And she's like, and he like tries to go do it. And she's like, no. I'll do it myself. And then she like has to rub shit all over herself, but she like overcompensates and it's like trying to like prove that she's tough. And he's just like, Oh, I, you didn't have to go that far. <laughs> you didn't need that is much. She, is she wearing the white at that yes. point? Like the all white? Yes. Oh God. <laughs> yeah. No, it's great. It's a great the scene. The entire time I was it. watching that this morning, I was like, good God, she is still so clean. How is yeah. she so clean? <laughs> I don't know. Um, but yeah, it's so, a really good scene, and I wish there was more of that for her because I think Bryce Dallas Howard is extremely talented actress and now a, a very talented director. Um, but it, it it's just like they don't give her a lot in this. She has more, I think, of a character in the sequel. I think if I, remember, I it's been a long time since I've watched that one, Fallen Kingdom. Mm. Um, but uh, I don't know. I'll be interested. But yeah, I think that like I'm trying to think of like another actor. That you could put in the Owen Grady role around 2015 that would have like knocked it out of the park potentially and like turned it into something really interesting. Um, I don't know. I, but I don't know. Jake Johnson. <laughs> yeah. 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 Jake Johnson would have been good. I mean, honestly, like having somebody with that vibe who's like really into like animals and like, I, I think that would be. I think that would be a way more interesting vibe than like where we ended up with this guy being like, like you said, this sort of like too cool for school, like Harrison Ford type, but like Mm -hmm. not in a fun way. Um, Yeah. I don't know. Uh, Brian, what do you think of the, uh, the baby dino park? The, Oh, it's adorable. It's the cutest thing ever. (laughs) Well, it's funny because, uh, when I was watching, uh, watching that, it gave me flashbacks to, um, being at, uh, islands of adventure in uh, universal Orlando, because there's a ride there called Pterodon flyers that I've never been on. Mm -hmm. And it is like a sort of a people mover kind of ride. Like it's like high above the, above the land. And you sort of like have your, like your feet dangling. And it's like a kind of a slow roller coaster Mm -hmm. uh, that gives you a good view of the park. I've never been on it because you have to be a certain under a certain height or have a child with you. And that park opened in 99. I was, and I was at that point 12 years old. So I was just too tall to be, uh, to get to go on it. And, uh, and, and so like, I'm like, and so this kid is doing this math on like, oh, what things he can do in this like baby area of the park. And I was just like, oh man, tear it on flyers. I wouldn't have to have a kid to do that one day. Uh, mm-hmm. But no, it's like, I, I, yeah, I would love to go pet a dinosaur. I'd love to go, you know, ride on the back of a little, you know, a, a, a triceratops or something because they were cute. 
it's kind of one, it's one of the few parts of the movie that really does have that sense of wonder that you were talking about where they get great perform reactions from the child actors of you really feel like they are interacting with an animal. Uh-huh. Yeah. I think that stuff just needed to be like reinforced a little bit more in the movie. Sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Put more of a uh, point on it. And then we get the scene where Claire uh, drives out to like Owen's shack by the beach and we get like they're flirting. I don't do this a lot, but I kind of I had an idea for like a character note, Scott, of oh. like a way to maybe make their patter or their relationship more kind of less hackneyed, you know, mm-hmm. than like the Han Leia bicker back and forth. So they keep alluding to the fact that Claire and Owen went on like one really bad first date where like Claire wouldn't drink tequila and Owen wore board shorts and all that. Right. And I was like, what if what if the date went really well? What if sparks flew, they hit it off, maybe they even like went back to Owen's like silver bullet trailer and hooked up. But then Claire's like, oh my God, I cannot have chemistry with Owen the Raptor guy. <laughs> <laughs> like, I could be running this park in 10 years, you know, when Irfan Khan retires. I need to, I have to put blinder, I have to be all business. And so she is like purposefully trying not to like, where Owen's like, I don't get it. Like, we had a really great date, and I can sense our chemistry. Why are you, like, keeping us at a distance? And it's That's like, so much better. That's so much better. Cool. Yeah. Just, like, like yeah. instantly, that's so much better. Absolutely. Because it's mm. not fun watching the, like, and, you know, like, I'm the I'm the stick-in-the-mud girl. Like, well, I'm the guy that, look, I'm wearing a Henley and fit working on my bike. And, you know, it's just, like, we've seen this before. Yeah. Well, and then there's also, there, there's, like, a, a part later where he kisses her after she saves him. Um mm. And apparently it's it's another thing that really pissed people off about uh, Colin Trevorrow. And um, if it happens the way that they describe, then I agree, which is that mm-hmm. they didn't ask permission for that kiss. Um, so, oh. like, yeah. So the take that we have in the movie, she is very surprised that she's being kissed because that is not in the script or anything. Um, and uh, so pretty gross. But flip it and reverse it. and. She saves him and then kisses him because of that, like, other date and, like, all of that stuff. Like, that is a million times better and more interesting. Um, and it's not like a thousand things we've seen before. Yeah. Because even, like, taking the behind-the-scenes stuff, because you, know, you, can't, you can't know that the first time you watch the movie. Right. But it kind of, like, is t- it, felt, it felt too early when it happened. Yeah. I, and like, I, also, oh, I don't well, like that he does it. It's more interesting right. if she it's does it. It's weird. It's so much yeah. more interesting mm-hmm. if she does it. Yeah, because it's her journey. She's like, I'm going to be spontaneous. Like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Know, can... That's uh, way better. Well, uh, so the, uh, what, what do you think of the, the big, uh, so the Indominus Rex, it's pretty cool in retrospect, like make made claw marks and turn invisible so that they think that she's out of her pen. And then, uh, and then like when the guard and then the, the, the worker guy and Chris Pratt are in there, it's like a kill box. Yeah. I it's like, I I love this, but I do yeah. think that like I get why people are <laughs> like they, it. It just you have to be you have to be able to like the movie have to sell you to a certain point in order for you to make this leap of logic, you know. Right. Um. And if you're if you're already like out of it, if you're just like <laughs> fuck this movie, like this is gonna push you over the edge. I feel like oh because, like the, the, please yeah because it's just it is like very like. 
what? But, you know, it, it is, it's also like, this is a monster. It's not an animal. It's not a dinosaur. Like, that's the whole point is that it's like they created a monster. Um, mm-hmm. And this monster is highly intelligent and it's really scary and uh, should not <laughs> exist. <laughs> it's kind of like the dinosaur version of like the Joker. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's, <laughs> that's coming in Dominion. Yes. Oh, that's, yes. Right. <laughs> of course. Uh, yeah. We get uh, that, that guard gets eaten. Um, it sucks. You can kind of see the, like the logic of like, Oh, if he hadn't been as smart, if he had known what Owen knew and gone like under the car, the way Owen does, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, it just goes, it goes more toward like this movie just being like meaner, you know, mm-hmm. which again, like metatextually, like, yeah, that's the point is like meaner, more teeth, you know, that's, yeah. and you know, the Indominus is unfortunately like, Whenever I, he seems to be the most CG of the dinosaurs in the movie. Uh huh. Uh-huh. I mean, like, they're all CG except for the um. The only animatronic in the movie is um, the dying dinosaur later. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, but he just doesn't have that like strong silhouette the way that like the raptor or T Rex or. Yeah, it, it it suffers from um the same thing as like all of those uh those like gray blobby aliens that we had for a while that like look like the cloverfield monster where it's just like right where you're just like i don't know what i'm even looking at like what even is this yeah mm-hmm. and it's cuz it's not real and it's like hard to like mm-hmm. create something that doesn't that doesn't really exist oh for sure know? yeah yeah uh then something that hit me like oh yeah i i buy this 100% is you know Owen sees the so they send a team out to get the Indominus Rex on a like non-lethal hunt because they are not taking this threat seriously enough. Right. And they are cutting mm-hmm. corners and trying to get away with doing the least. Mm-hmm. And even after like half a dozen people are brutally killed by the Indominus Rex and Owen is like evacuate the park now. Claire's like let's shut down the section of the park closest to the Indominus Rex and I was just like, yeah, this all checks out. Like, yep. <laughs> it, it's so frustrating and so infuriating. <laughs> and yeah, there's the part where the uh, the owner he says like, like, oh, we have you know like, was it twenty six million dollars uh, invested in, in this asset? And I'm just like, yo, how much are you going to be paying off in wrongful death lawsuits? <laughs> yeah, who's going to get the brunt? Because Irfan Khan dies. I wonder who who's going to get hit with the brunt of these lawsuits in the wake of this. Ingen, I guess. Yeah. Ingen, yeah, yeah. Uh, so they get on the brothers get on the gyrosphere because they're cool now. I am just, I love the Jimmy Fallon gyrosphere <laughs> cameo. It's perfect. Yeah, it's, it's just the. It, you know what the problem is? It is the exact realistic amount of lame that it would be in real life. Yeah, yeah, and I, you know, if you haven't been to Universal Studios in a while, uh. Jimmy Fallon is present in both in Hollywood in the uh, in the tram tour. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's on the video in that, uh, and he also has his own full ride in Orlando, <laughs> the race through New York starring Jimmy Fallon, and it's I've never ridden it, but it looks just awful. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's it's a it's Universal taking a shot at themselves, and it's it's so it's so perfect. It's it's lame. Uh, that he's there, it, like the the video he does is goofy and 
it it's purposefully goofy, but like I think people just see Jimmy Fallon and just see him being being silly and wonky. And yeah. I'm like, the the entire joke is that this video is terrible. Like that's the point. <laughs> yeah. I they... was I was I was very taken aback by the wacky high jinks involving a gun. That was <laughs> He's like, it's bulletproof glass. And he's like, whoa, whoa. And just like firing the gun and like falling over a counter. And I'm just like, wow, this is weird. <laughs> they let him riff. They just let him riff. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, a, a character we haven't talked about yet, but like one of my favorite scenes in the movie. And I think a really big example of this movie, I can't count it out because it's doing so much and introducing so much interesting like talking points, uh, Irfan Khan's character confronts uh, Doctor Wu, played by B.D. Wong, aging like a fine wine. Oh, yep. yeah, it's insane. <laughs> I'm just digging his. Everyone else is wearing lab coats and stuff, and he's just like a Bond villain. Yep. He, I love his transition from just like this, this warm, sweet man that you see in the first movie to just like full on evil mean guy like like, I just, like it's so dr good. moreau norman osborne well and the, it's and so the, good and the thing about it though is you can make the connection because like imagine what probably happened to his career post jurassic park uh-huh right and this was his opportunity to get that back right right mm-hmm. yeah. exactly yeah. and so Irfan khan it's kind of this is where we see the like oh he he doesn't see how this is his fault because he confronts Dr. Wu and he's like, what did you make in there? You made a monster. I'm going to have this whole place swept for parts and you're all going to be out of a job. And Wu's like, I literally did what you told me to do. Mm-hmm. You, your work, you said to make it cooler. And, <laughs> and, you need, and you wanted it bigger. So we gave it like, uh, we gave it cuttlefish genes so it could do camouflage and so it could survive the accelerated growth process you made us put this animal through and so i don't get why you're mad at me i I, you you wrote down your commission and i made you your commission right and now you're mad that it's scary and and good at killing so i I just found all that really like it was a cool scene between two actors in a movie yeah no it was really Mm -hmm. good um oh god woo is definitely like one of the best connections to the original trilogy. Yeah. Like his, his use of the, the use of his character is just, it's, it's real good. Is he back in dominion or, or was this it? I think he is. I think he okay. is back in dominion. Cool. I think I saw him in a trailer. Okay, cool. I'm excited about that. So, uh, oh, and then Lowry himself is kind of found guilty of cutting corners because like they find out he's like, Oh crap, there's a gyrosphere left out in the field. That I didn't notice. And, uh, it's the brothers, man, that moment where the older brother counts four dinosaurs, but Ty Simpkins counts five dinosaurs because it's the reflection of the Indominus Rex behind them. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. That's a cool, that's a cool, like Spielbergian moment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Really oh, cool. uh, one thing I wanted to mention the, uh, <laughs> I, I love the line for the, uh, the hamster ball ride for the, uh, the, mm-hmm for that ride oh, and the yeah. poor the the poor teenager <laughs> having mm-hmm. to work and uh just having to be like oh god what do i do <laughs> like people are going to be mad at me because i'm shutting down this line and then he's like he all right well, his manual go. yeah it's like oh god and uh it's the first time i recognized this guy because he was on uh stranger things for a season or two 
Uh, he oh, worked yeah. at the arcade. Oh, yeah. And uh, I was just like, oh, God, this is so funny. Like yeah. they they really nailed the theme park elements to this. Yeah, and like, you know, the, I, just, you know, the, I yeah. think about the all the the teens running six uh, every Six Flags across the mm-hmm. nation. Yes. Well, I was I was one of them at one point. Uh, it's, this is why I wanted to talk about this movie is because <laughs> of all the theme park shit. It's it's so funny I to am... me. Just this poor kid is having to tell people, "Hey, people may be dying, so we might need to get you back to the Hilton. Go to the Hilton, please." <laughs> I I do want to know though what the what what life is like for the average worker at this at at Jurassic right. World. Like, if you work at the Starbucks, do you are you there for like three days and then go home for two and then come back, or like how does that how do shifts work? Like, how does is it almost work? easier for that kid to just live in Costa Rica? Yeah. I imagine they probably have. Like an interior room of the hotel that's tiny, doesn't have a window. Yeah, and you know, just like a just like being on a cruise ship. You know, if you're an employee on a cruise ship, you just have this tiny little room with with nothing, like in, yeah. the, in steerage, essentially. Right, right. It probably hires a lot of locals. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. Like for the city walk, like you know the the restaurants before you get into the park proper, even. Right, right. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Um I love the Indorap the uh, the Indoraptor, the Indominus Rex's jaw like cracking under the gyrosphere and they're stuck inside of it. Yeah. It's another big Spielbergian moment, I think. Yeah. Really good. Uh and then we get so they escape, they jump down a waterfall, and we get the scene that was referenced earlier. You know, we were talking about awe and wonder, and like what says a lot about this movie is the the equivalent of this is like the dark sister of the Brachiosaur scene from Jurassic Park where it's this pivotal moment where Claire's entire worldview is changed because she is like touching this dead thing and being there with it and sees Owen offering it just tenderness, you know? And yeah, it, it's, it's really, it's, it's really brutal. The, 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 the vista of just all the dead Brachiosaur. Yeah. Oh. And like, this is her moment. Right. Like, it, this movie doesn't really have a wonder moment so much as it has like a, oh oh these things are alive and I've been treating them like assets right uh huh right. um yeah Sad. it's heartbreaking it's a heartbreaking scene but it's she plays it really well um I just uh yeah I really love I really love her arc in this movie I really do yeah oh hats Me off too. to the puppeteers too mm hmm mm hmm. Speaking of sad, heartbreaking scenes, since I'm, we're not going to be—I'm not talking about this movie with y'all next week. Uh, but the 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 Brachiosaurus, like as they're leaving the island, mm-hmm. it's the reason I've only haunt, seen that movie once. It's the only, that scene haunts me, yeah, to this day. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, what? Okay, Colin, like, <laughs> cruel. What? The yeah. cruelest thing I've ever seen on a t- on a on a movie screen. <laughs> yeah. Uh man. So uh oh, so the one the one scene that I think maybe has the energy of the of the deleted scenes that Scott's been describing, where I kind of do like Owen and Claire together, is when they're like arguing on the hill, they're like, Okay, we know the boys escaped, we have to go hunt after them. And she's like, Look, I like, well, can't you track them? Like, I was in the Navy, not the Navajo. And she <laughs> 
she they like start with the same three letters same thing right <laughs> yeah and then like he's like well like you know you're you go back to the hotel or not, you're not ready for this and she like rolls up her sleeves and ties her shirt and like waits for him to react and he's like i don't i don't know what that means i don't know <laughs> it's so good it's, it's it's really funny it's my favorite it's my favorite thing and uh bethany went one halloween she went as claire but not just claire she went as ready to go claire uh, oh great with the sleeves rolled up and the shirt tied oh. <laughs> because then they're just like it's so we're like we would that's like a secret quote for us where where we're like like if we're gonna leave the house mm-hmm. like like what are you not ready and then like you do it and then it's like yeah ready to go <laughs> i'm ready to go ready to go <laughs> next time i see you scott next time like okay when we go to universal studios next yes. summer together uh i'm gonna be standing at your door and you're gonna uh, you're gonna be like are we ready to go and i'm gonna roll up my shirt like tie up my shirt <laughs> perfect as you should um because i was I'll jake know. johnson for one halloween what's that i was jake johnson for one halloween oh that's right you were that's right i remember that like specifically this character yeah, yeah. I, I bought a jurassic park shirt and had like a collared shirt over it uh-huh yeah. that's just like my typical outfit that's like my day-to-day jurassic, <laughs> yeah, you're just jurassic park Brian, shirt and something on top <laughs> yeah. of it i didn't even know it yet but i, w- I was cosplaying as you mm-hmm. oh yeah and then uh the boys find the ruins of jurassic park mm-hmm. that that was cool they find the jeep Yo, y'all i am such a sucker for a nostalgia piano mm-hmm. i know mm-hmm. it's manipulative i know they're playing me like a goddamn fiddle i mm-hmm. i i don't care because yeah. it is it gets me every single time yeah uh man the the jason Siegel muppet movie never had a sad piano muppet theme part it did it did, oh, it did? okay i just watched this the other day um oh, the yeah. uh there's the point where uh they go to kermit's house and they're trying to convince kermit to come back and like you know, reunite the group and then they say it's come on kermit it's it's time to play the music it's time to light the lights. <laughs> That's right. It's time to meet the Muppets. And then Kermit plays do, 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 uh, on the piano. He does it himself. He, he oh, supplies man. his own nostalgia piano. That's right. That's good. Great movie. <laughs> and then I think this is the a stretch of like legendary stupidity. Just someone, just an epic fumbling of the ball. Irfan Khan is like, don't Lauren Lapkus don't get my pilot I'm going to take two veterans with wives and families I'm gonna fly this helicopter and we're gonna like evacuate people or what was he trying to do uh they were gonna go after they were like they were tracking the Indominus I think okay Mm -hmm. they were like gonna go blow them up so the Indominus breaks into the aviary yeah and then the things like the 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 pterodons and the flying dinosaurs come out of the aviary mm-hmm. attack the helicopter the helicopter kills the guys the helicopter crashes into the aviary makes a huge hole and all of the aviary dinosaurs just fly out and it is just incredible to watch yeah that is hellish like i i think that is the scariest thing of this of the entire series i think mm-hmm. i it just seeing them all just pour out yeah. is yeah. horrifying and then like oh please scott i well and i was just gonna say I, this is this sequence is called out a lot by people who dislike this movie as like mm-hmm. this is bad writing 
who would do this. And I'm like, you're going to look me straight in the face and you're going to tell me that Elon Musk wouldn't fly, fly his own helicopter and kill three people <laughs> and create a hole in the aviary? Come on. Of course he would. Yeah. <laughs> and indirectly killing who knows, like every everyone, like, you know, Zara's death. Yeah. And, yeah. but like, he doesn't think about that. He doesn't care. He's just trying to like, be the cool CEO guy. Yeah. He's, he's the cool boss. He's in the moment with everything instead of thinking, you know, three steps ahead. Um, mm -hmm. It's the same problem that John Hammond's had. John Hammond yep. wasn't thinking ahead. He was just thinking about the infinite possibilities, but wasn't thinking about, like, the infinite problems that could happen. Right. Yeah. And with respect to uh, a point Andrew Dorowski made last week on Jurassic Park 3, um, I, I go to these movies to see dinosaurs uh -huh. attacking people. Yes. <laughs> That's it. You know, it's just the fun, like, so like when, when the, when the already visibly angry, cause imagine how angry like theme park people get or the people that would travel all the way to Florida to be at Disney world. And then all their stuff gets closed and they're angry and they're at city walk and they're all crowded together. And then you just see a fleet of flying dinosaurs start to like descend upon them. Yeah. It's like gremlins too, you know, it's just yeah. pure anarchy. Oh, it's, yeah. it's such a nightmare, but it... that's totally what this movie is. Like that's mm -hmm. what it is. Gremlins too. Like it is the gremlins to to Jurassic parks. Gremlins. That's what okay. this is. Yeah. Um, it's like almost a parody. Yes. When they're yeah. like busting, when they're busting through the gift shop windows, and people are like ah, and like running through the gift. I was I was cackling. I was having a good yeah. time. Oh, <laughs> that's a good time. I and of course we have our our best cameo of all time. I think, of course, uh, yeah. man man holding two margaritas, <laughs> Jimmy Buffett himself. Just oh, I I remember seeing it in theaters, not realizing it was Jimmy Buffett, and I just cackled it, <laughs> i think that way have been at that moment the funniest thing i'd ever seen on a movie screen <laughs> just a man <laughs> like running for his life holding two margaritas i was already just pleased as punch that there was a margaritaville there and yeah. then that put it over the top and then later on i'm like wait a minute what that was jimmy buffett himself okay Chef's kish. Uh, I was a big fan <laughs> of Owen and the rest of the military guys just gunning down pterodons right in front of the IMAX experience. Yeah, <laughs> good. Also, when uh, when Claire takes out that pterodon, it makes like a puppy oh, yelp yeah. noise. Yeah, oh, that was God. <laughs> that was mean. Oh, the pterodon! You see it uh, uh, about to. The, we cut back to the kitty park, and it starts to fly off with a triceratops because it's grabbing onto the saddle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thankfully, the, the Triceratops gets dropped, and so it yeah, just, like, it just kinda, gets like... It kind of just, like, flips over like a turtle. <laughs> oh. uh, and then we already talked about the weird kiss moment. Um, yep. I, I guess, like, oh, you know, it's... Every time I watch this movie, I feel like the cool Spielberg moment is you want the nephews to think Claire is cool. Uh, mm. Yeah. I have never, every time I've watched this movie, I've never understood their reaction to Owen in the car. Where she's oh, like, promise not to leave us again. She's like, I'll never. He's like, I'm, we're talking to him. I was like, 
He wasn't. Th- she like had a fucking big gun and was like one leg out. Looked like it was like cocking her gun and then like, <laughs> like it was like a big thing. Like she yeah. looked cool. She's like an action uh-huh. hero. She had a she had a velociraptor stick its head in her car window. Yeah, like, she saved him. Lord, I don't, yeah, yeah. It should be like, well, Aunt Claire is pretty cool. Not like, oh, finally a guy. Yeah, like <laughs> like, uh, and then that would have like a fun. That would give Owen uh, a fun thing to react to also, where if they were like, please don't ever leave us. He's like, don't worry, I'm not going anywhere. She's like, I, we were talking to our Aunt Claire. Why would we yeah. be talking to you? We don't even know who you are. And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah right. Okay. <laughs> like, that's funny. Like, oh, you would think they would think the cool Raptor guy, but they think he's a, a bum. They don't like him. They think he's Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, I think that's fun. fun. I don't know. So D'Onofrio is loving this. He's like, this is great. Uh you know what would really make this better is like the ra- the Raptors. We should send the Raptors after the Indominus Rex, right? Uh, thus proving my my point that they should be militarized, right? And uh, Owen's like, okay, if we have to, we do play a game called hide and seek. That you know, if we run them through that training exercise, like they'll they'll know what to do, and we get uh, you know, like Brian mentioned, the iconic poster. Uh, DVD Blu-ray cover of the movie. Uh, I keep wanting to call him Owen Wilson. Owen Grady <laughs> racing through the jungle followed by raptors. Mm-hmm. And it's a strong yeah. image. It is. It is. It is. It, it's kind of wild to see because <laughs> <laughs> it's so it's such a stupid look. But it yeah. I by this point I'm sold on this movie and so I accept it. Yep. Like today, mm-hmm. like I was just, I was having too much fun watching this to be like, oh, this is really dumb. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, a, a I, brother moment I I do like. Oh, please, Scott. I was just going to say, but I do love, unironically, absolutely love the Raptors with their little cameras on their, on their heads. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, when, when they're all facing Owen at once. Oh my like, God. After, after they talk to the Indominus, I'm like, yeah. oh, that's a cool shot. Yeah. So I wanted them to go further. I want them to have little helmets. Mm-hmm. I want them to have little like mar- like aliens, like marine aliens kind of armor. <laughs> yeah. Maybe a little backpack. You know, they couldn't get into their own, but like you know, they they could be friends and help each other out, get stuff out of their own uh, each other's backpacks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I like the moment where Claire leaves the brothers and they're like hold hands. And <laughs> that got a good to... laugh from both me and my wife today. Like yeah. just like the like the little brother reaches out his hand. <laughs> Uh, so Scott, you mentioned you mentioned Bethany. Um, I this is like this was a big, this is a huge moment for her because this introduced the concept of like domesticated friendly raptors. Right, right. Um, uh, yeah, I mean we. She just constantly is just like, oh my god, they're so fat. Like she just loves them. <laughs> <laughs> she just loves them so much. Um, but you know, uh, yeah, they're really cute blue- in this movie. I mean, that's the thing. Oh yeah. Yeah. When they're like all like muzzled up and they're just like vibrating with energy. Yeah. And Omar Sai is just like petting them. You're like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Or, like, or when uh, it's either Delta or Charlie after they like turn on the crew and he like pops his head out of the out of the grass and sees Owen and is like cocking his head to the side with his little <laughs> camera light. And he's just so cute. Uh, of course, that's right before he gets blown up by a rocket launcher. But like <laughs> he's really cute in that moment. That's another really cruel moment. Yeah. It is. And, uh, yeah. Oh, oh, you know, Blue Blue is kind of the Ripley 
like they don't <laughs> set up blue too much as being like the main raptor that's true mm-hmm. that's because true. at this point she's kind of like the bb8 of, of the jurassic franchise mm-hmm. that's true <laughs> No, that's uh, 100%. You're totally right. Uh, the, the, I love the, the, that the, for her. The, yeah, of course. <laughs> I just, uh, you know, you said he, she's she's the BB-8. And I just imagine Oscar Isaac saying, I'll come back for you. And I got lost in that thought for a moment. Owen Wilson, I'm pretty sure, says exactly that to, to Blue, like, in Fallen Kingdom, I think. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. Oscar Isaac would be so much better in these movies than... Oh, He'd be a good Owen there Wilson. you go. Imagine he would be he, such a good Owen Grady. Imagine the alternate universe where Oscar Isaac was playing Owen and uh, Chris Pratt played Apocalypse. <laughs> oh, I let's go to that universe. Oh, my God. Because, like, you know, I feel like Oscar Isaac just has a sexiness that Chris Pratt doesn't have to where. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like. A you know, million percent. Like Oscar but, Isaac but, doing unprofessional flirting. You're like, you you knock it off, you rascal. I, Chris Pratt, you're like, oh my God, it's fucking God. I completely agree. <laughs> However, as I said at the beginning of the movie, there are women in the Midwest who think that Chris Pratt is the oh, of course. sexiest man alive. Uh, absolutely. So, you know, For sure. it's the internet. We're talking about, yeah, yeah. like, Oscar Isaac is internet sexy. But, like, I think that I think there are Chris lots Pratt's of Walmart women. Sexy. Yeah, who are very like yeah, Chris Pratt is flyover state sexy. Like that's <laughs> And that's valid. <laughs> Oscar Isaac say Whole Foods sexy. Yeah. Oh man. Um uh, man. So uh I like the uh the ambulance chase. Um Yes. Oh, so so D'Onofrio is just making moves. He sends uh, he sends Henry and the embryos off site to Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, where uh, we'll we'll check in next week. And I remember thinking that was cool because like they've never done that. It's the first time the Jurassic we're in the age of the franchises now, and they are actually making moves to like make it be an overarching story and not just like yeah one adventure every five years. Right. Mm-hmm. Last time a director did that, um, the thread was never picked up on. So right, <laughs> uh, we get the fun, the big fun moment where uh, everyone's leaving, and Lauren Lapkus's character is like, "Hey, like, come on, there's a there's a helicopter," and Jake Johnson's like, "Someone has to stay behind," and then goes to kiss her, and she's like, "No." I the one thing, so I like that. I like that scene. Mm-hmm. However, I think I would have, I would like it a little bit more if you had seen that they were watching when Owen did it to Claire. Like through security oh, cameras, that's right. and like uh-huh. it inspires the idea. Where he's like, "I want to be as cool as Owen." Like, <laughs> he's like, yeah, <laughs> he's got uh, major main character energy. Like he thinks he's the main character yes. of his story. Yeah, yeah, I would love that. I think that would be really yeah. good. And Lapkus is her. Like I don't know, she's just such a great straight man in that in that scene of just like, yeah. Oh, oh no, I no I'm good. Yeah, no, I, I'm at work. I'm at <laughs> like work. you never yeah. talked about him. I'm at work. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah it's great they really do seem like real like real people yeah mm-hmm. um meanwhile the main characters all arrive back at the engine lab where it's that man it's fuck i love this moment so much where like they ran into denofrio and he's like you guys don't understand these creatures like i do like i raised a baby wolf once and it bit my ex-wife and ever since then 
I you I had animal powers or something. And, <laughs> and then a, a raptor comes and he's just like, you know, my quarrel's not with you, you know, raptor. It just it immediately bites his arm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, like, he's great in this movie. He's so good. <laughs> they don't even really... I don't think they even struggle with him at all. It is, they just stand there and just watch him get himself murdered. <laughs> yes, mm-hmm. it's the best. <laughs> uh, something I really I liked, so they, they run out to the park and the Indominus Rex has found them. They are on City Walk, and that's kind of like where the main finale takes place. And it would have been so easy... Because, like, okay, they have the moment where Owen stares down the raptors and is able to be like, I'm still the alpha, like, you know, mm-hmm. we, we can do this or whatever. And it would have been so easy for him to be like, quick, let's get out of here while the raptors keep the Indominus distracted, you know. But mm-hmm. Owen, like, stays and fights with them. Mm-hmm. Like, they're mm-hmm. fighting like a unit. And I thought that was pretty yeah. cool. It is cool. Uh, Ty Simpkins gets the line, we need more teeth. Yep. Hmm. <laughs> Uh, so so we got to talk about the heels thing. Um, okay, yeah. Yeah. So this was a big point of contention when this movie came out was her running in heels. Um and lots of women rightly pointing out how difficult and nay impossible this would be. Mm-hmm. And you know what? In the behind the scenes thing, she is wearing tennis shoes when she is running. Um so you know, it's not like Bryce Dallas Howard like actually ran in heels or anything like that. So yeah, I think it's entirely valid. However, from a character standpoint, I do think that they're trying to make a point about how like she's like uh, such a badass that she like runs in heels because like that's her shoe of choice at work every day and like whatever. I get it, but like I also get everyone's argument. So I'm just like <laughs> I feel very Switzerland when it comes to this this whole think, heels debate. I think when they were shooting down the pterodons, she should have bro shattered the glass of the Jurassic World like Nike store and yes. stolen some Air Jordans. Yeah. <laughs> Air Jordans. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there has to be a journeys there somewhere, right? For sure. Yeah, definitely. There's no way they're not selling shoes at that park. Um mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, yeah, she should have, like, there's tons of, th- before she went and got the T-Rex, when she got the idea and he's like, we need more teeth, she should have been like, look over, seize boots, cut like Sam Raimi style. Boot. She's already ra- wearing them. Yeah, it should have been something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're like, oh, I guess, why did she do that? Oh, because she needs to run. It would have been enough. You know, fine. Right. So yeah, it's, it's, is it stupid? Definitely. However... I, I think from a character thing, I, I get what they're trying to do, even if I don't think it works for mm-hmm. pretty much anybody. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I think in a world where Universal had agreed with Colin Trevorrow and not fought propping up Owen as like the lead of the movie, yeah. we get what I think would have been the the movie poster of that universe's Jurassic World. Yeah. Claire, ragged and dirty holding up the iconic red flare as it lights up and like leading the, the T-Rex into the battle. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. running with the red flare and then the light of the red flare, you could barely see the T-Rex in the light of the red flare behind her on a poster. Right. Mm-hmm. That would be so cool. Jurassic world. 
Yeah. I love any moment. Like, I, I think I posted about this uh, while, while I was watching Moon Knight. I love any scene where a character is, like, pretty much only lit by a flare. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. I, I, any, like, I'm a sucker for that. Just like I'm a sucker for a nostalgia piano. Yeah. It's, it, it's good. And that, that moment with her lighting that flare, those gates are opening. It, I, I get so hyped every damn time I watch it. Um, it rules. I think it is maybe a mistake that the T-Rex is so close to City Walk. I feel like that is a <laughs> Jurassic World structural problem. Just it's so loud. <laughs> He's the only one that, uh, she's the only one that didn't get out, though. So, I mean. Yeah, that's true. Doing something right, apparently. Um, but I, I, I love this moment. It's a very similar moment to, um, you know, the garbage will do in in mm-hmm. force awakens um uh-huh. but i i think it rules and i love this fight because it, it i had such a stupid smile on my face every <laughs> time i saw this in theaters because i you know i i i love that it's just a big old dinosaur fight like that's so fun right right yeah. but then also for the sort of metatextual like no matter how stupid like and badass and like you know twisted like the villain of this new thing is nothing beats the original and like that's the whole point of this fight um and that fucking rules like it just rules (laughs) i love that that's where this movie lands of like it's just like nothing's gonna beat that original movie like it's just not yeah because we get just even when the t-rex seems like it's not enough and even when she's on the end of her rope we we get a raptor noise and then like Han flying the Millennium Falcon. Hell yeah. We get Blue just running her little her just like whipping it and leaping onto the Indominus Rex. And we get a combo T-Rex Raptor fight. There's a point where Blue is riding the T-Rex. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> She's just like riding on his back and then like jumps off his back onto the on the Indominus. It rules. It rules so hard. It's fun. Yeah, it's I like love a, it a lot. It's like a WWE match. Yeah. It's so good. And you know what? The Indominus deserved it. Deserved mm-hmm. what it got. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. it's kind of tragic because its life was just so violent and pointless and confusing. Yeah. But, I mean, yeah, when the, when the Mosasaurus... Well, so was mine. She's not special, you know? <laughs> <laughs> you don't see me eating people. Yeah. <laughs> And then it's it's almost a troll of an ending where just like the Mosasaurus just like Hum! and just like drags it. <laughs> oh, I, yeah, uh. that that was I think the biggest. You know, and it's not often that the strongest part of this of movies like these are the finale. But like yeah. it all comes together. It does. Mm-hmm. It does. It's fun. It, I love that it happens on like in City Walk. Like that's the best. <laughs> that's the best thing because they could have found a boring place to have this fight, but no, mm-hmm. they have it in the most interesting place they could have it. Yeah. I will say all the talk about the hotel. I wish there was a sequence that took place in the hotel, like dinosaurs loose in the hotel, and, oh. like, running through ho- hotel hallways and stuff. Where while oh, like people like open doors to be like, "What's going on?" And, oh my god! And like shutting the door. <laughs> like that would be. Like, a lot of fun a velociraptor stuff makes it into the spa yeah yeah <laughs> a little there, towel yeah there could have been some fun stuff in the hotel 
or like uh, a raptor in the in the coat check and it's like oh, i'm here to pick up my coat oh never mind <laughs> <laughs> yeah but you know you know but you know that that that's yeah and like you like the the coats shake and like the raptor is under the coats like uh like like the like the demon dog in ghostbusters like mm-hmm. with the coat uh-huh. check room. yeah um but yeah, that's another fifty fifty million dollars um, if you do a sequence in that hotel. So uh, I don't know. The uh, the uh, raptor getting killed by the hibachi grill was pretty metal. Yeah. Uh huh. Pretty metal. <laughs> yeah. Really sad, but really I metal. I wanted ra- I wanted Owen to react more to the raptor deaths than he did. Yes. Yeah. But that's very my, macho. That yeah, that's my issue with him is he's too macho. Like, if he was really the guy that he says that he is, that the guy that they wrote on the page who loves these animals and is like, you have to respect them, but also he obviously cares about them, he has mm. a relationship with them, he would be a little softer, I think. Than, yeah. Ima- like, imagine yeah. watching four of, I don't, I know, I don't want to, you know, like, like, four of his pets just died in succession. Yeah. And, yeah. And you know, I don't. Yeah, and it's he saw one get blown up by a rocket launcher, <laughs> making These eye contact. Are really with stupid it. when you put it like that. Yeah. <laughs> it literally looked at him. It looked at him like, "Oh, hi, Dad!" And then bull got bull exploded by a rocket launcher. <laughs> it's horrifying. And anyway. movies so, rule everybody. Like that's movies that's are my, good. That, that, I think that's the thesis statement of this whole podcast: is movies are fun. Yeah, <laughs> movies are good. Movies are fun. Uh, Margaritaville's great, and uh, Blue escapes into Jurassic World. Judy Greer and the ex-husband. I like to believe that. Do 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 you think they made it work after this? Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like maybe I it's hope still. Not. Maybe it still happened. I feel like their relationship did not need to need to be saved. I I don't know enough about their relationship to sure. to I think uh, talk with any authority about it. Mm-hmm. The way that Judy Greer done. snaps at him like at the airport, which is is like, why do you have to say things like that? And I'm like, oh, that's oh. not that is definitely not a happy relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh man. Um, and we get the final line of the movie. Oh no, please. I, I was curious, like. We see them come and get the kids, and yeah. they they reunite. Are they still on the island? Yes. At that point, they are letting people fly into Costa Rica when this is happening. I guess that that makes no damn sense there, to there's me. There's flying all. dinosaurs loot. The there's a we we miss this part, but an alien and a, a, a paramilitary team is flying into the island and sees the flying dinosaurs flying out of the island. Like, well, know, they might shoot. not uh-huh. be. They might not be. They might be in on Costa Rica, but maybe they're not on Isla Nubar. Uh, yeah. Uh-huh. Like they've yeah. taken the ferry back. Like they could be in the mainland, um, maybe. Yeah. They're like yeah. at the place with the airport. Mm-hmm. That's probably where they are. That would have been nuts if like in the background you could see like the silhouettes of pterodons still like. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, um. Owen and Claire find each other and Claire's like, what do we do now? And Owen's like, we stick together. And um, I really like the Jurassic World theme. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. just like that that progression of notes. And uh, 
we end. It's kind of an it's kind of uh, an ending, unlike the other Jurassic Park movies, and that we don't see a bird. Oh yeah, that's true. That is true. No birds. And so ends Jurassic World. Brian, any uh, closing thoughts on the movie and Jurassic Park in general? Um, no, I'm just looking forward to um, Dominion just because uh, even if they're not great, I still have a good time with these movies, still have fun with them. Mm-hmm. I really like uh, in uh, Fallen Kingdom, I really like the the Save the Dinos organization. I got a Save the Dinos shirt mm-hmm. on nice. topic when that movie came out. Cause, mm-hmm. you know. I, I really like the Haunted House vibes mm-hmm. of that movie i uh-huh. just think it's i haven't watched that one since theaters I, so i'm gonna go back i'm gonna go back and watch it before dominion comes out i'm looking mm-hmm. forward to it so in dominion it's strongly hinted at that they go to italy mm-hmm. and dinosaurs are like rampaging through italy mm-hmm. i know it's a long shot but if we get a velociraptor wearing like a pope hat <laughs> <laughs> I hope they have to they have to protect themselves from dinosaurs by hopping in the Pope mobile. Oh, that'd be oh. oh, that would be everything for me. <laughs> They're all I in would the never Pope-mobile. shut up about that scene. <laughs> They're all in the Pope mobile <laughs> while the dinosaurs are like pushing them around the, the city square. <laughs> this is the safest car on earth. <laughs> Don't worry, I know a guy. <laughs> Hey, oh, and it's me. Oh. You can use my car. Huh? <laughs> hey, Blue. <laughs> oh, man. Anyway. Um, oh, and then we get the T-Rex. Oh, the, the T-Rex is the last. What am I talking about? That's the last shot of the movie. It's the T-Rex. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Victorious, giving a roar over the park. Yeah. It's my world now, assholes. Subtitles. That's what, That's what the. Yeah. <laughs> I guess you could say it's his fallen kingdom mm-hmm. or Uh-oh. his dominion. All of them. They all were. <laughs> I'm very sorry, everyone. I'll, I'll see myself out. <laughs> well, uh, Scott, any closing thoughts on this movie? No. In defending just, all these I, years? I, you know, I just, I, I really love this movie and I know it has its flaws. You know, I think that, I think that Chris Pratt, as Owen doesn't do anything with the character. Um, I think the, the, the kids storyline doesn't, it's baffling most of the time. Cause I, you know, it's really hard to like figure out what they're trying to do with it. Cause it's all over the place. Um, and, uh, you know, it, so it has its, it has its issues, but man, it's just a fun ride. Um, watching this movie. And I, and I like, what it's trying to say about franchises um, and what my theory about what I think Trevorrow was going to try and do with the franchise as a whole um, by the end of dominion. Uh, I don't know. It'll be, it'll be interesting to see um, how it goes, but uh, I love this movie. I love it. I love all the theme park stuff. That's the thing is like, now we're never going to get another one. Like we're never going to get another one that has a theme park in it. Cause for sure. I, you know, I feel like fool me once, <laughs> you know, um, I, no, I don't it's think an they can justify it, but <laughs> we'll see. Well, uh, in any event, we'll be covering Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom next week. 
But uh, in the meantime, head on over to the Patreon. There's all kinds of stuff brewing. We should have yep. our our fun bonus uh, bonus feature stuff coming out soon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you're listening to this on the main feed, today will be the launch of our franchise potential for Safety Not Guaranteed, part of oh. our um, Colin Trevorrow series. Mm-hmm. Um, Trevorrow Never Dies. Yeah, Trevorrow Never Dies. <laughs> That's good. Um, we've did we already did our our, our Michael Crichton series. Um, so we we've previously covered on on franchise potential. We did uh, Congo and Sphere and Timeline, all uh, movie adaptations based on the works of Michael Crichton. Um, that I think all of them flopped. I think they all <laughs> didn't do a good job. Um, and now we're in the Colin Trevorrow leg of the uh, franchise potential miniseries that we're doing on the Patreon. So we've got Safety Not Guaranteed hit today as you're listening to this. Next week, we have The Book of Henry, um, which will be quite a discussion, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, very much looking forward to that. Brian, have you seen The Book of Henry? I I have not. We talked about it at your bachelor party, and I, I need to watch it. Oh, man. I know you're just waiting for Master Pancake to do it, but... You know, who knows? Maybe they no, don't know. Well, I, I, maybe I'll bring it to Choose Your Own Pancakes. Yeah, there you go. Um, and then uh, we're going to be talking about Colin Trevorrow and Derek Connolly's script for Star Wars Duel of the Fates, the unmade episode nine. Mm-hmm. Um, so lots of really cool stuff happening. Um, and uh, go check that out. It's duelinggenre.com slash support. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Bye, everybody.